0: It's going to be a good night.
1: It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. From the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last. The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish oh, unto you. Something evil.
2: You're right, I am a rotten bastard, I admit it. But I tell you so, even though I got a lot of hate inside, I got some friends who ain't got hate inside. They're filled with nothing but love.
1: Not recommended for impressionable children.
3: wrong oh, yeah. This one's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> we got some interesting, an interesting first hour on the show tonight, and an interesting uh, total three hours for everybody tonight on episode. What is it, sixteen? That came from? Cleveland?
4: Yes, 15, sir. 16.
3: Thank you, Michelle. So I wouldn't know if I looked at my files, but. I'm not looking at my files really. So, anyway, uh, getting towards the end of July here, July 23rd, 2021. Only one more show to go before we hit August. And uh, then we'll just talk nothing about uh, except Neil Diamond's Hot August Night album for the entire month. Um, no, we won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe's. <laughs> yeah. Flashback to the 70s for Joe. And of course, welcome to the program, Uh, Michelle. Michelle, you're gonna have uh, some supernatural delights for us this evening.
4: That and some rankin bass fun. So, yep, we got. uh, Yeah, so we got uh, Jared Padlecki's uh, birthday is this uh, week. So, yeah,
3: yeah, and you know, and I'll tell you what. For a surprise, if we have time at the end of the show, you left out his most horrific film. So, um, I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, I want the
4: ones the ones I liked.
3: <laughs> I understand. I'm just I'm messing with you. Um, yeah, just, I, know. I know. There's along. a lot
4: there. <laughs> uh, so,
3: <laughs> and of course, uh, Miles, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, some uh, some failed opportunities on on the behalf of some iniv- individuals tonight, right?
5: Yes. Yeah. I'll uh, be finishing up my uh, little um, uh, trivia on Patrick Stewart and. Um, uh, Yes, discussing the ten, 10 actors that declined roles on Star Trek. And uh, not a spoiler, but a teaser. The, 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 the top one is an actor that was considered for the role of Picard.
3: Hmm. I know there's one that I can't remember that that I, I think I saw on that list. Like it, I remember! But no no, no spoilers. Um... Uh, Anyway, uh, and of course, uh, oh, oh and, and we'll we'll have a little bit of uh, Ronnie Cox uh, uh, since his birthday is this week, uh, as his stint as Captain Jellico on the two-parter from the Next Generation Chain of Command, and uh, and Joe, you've got uh, a double dose of birthday action with a little uh, film connection, and you yes, didn't even need, have, you uh... didn't even need Kevin Bacon for it either. <laughs> no,
6: I did not. Uh, yeah, we have we have great, great clips. Some of my favorite clips of uh, Woody Harrelson and Donald Sutherland. Um,
3: I, you have a really good one from they do a, sh- a, a certain. Huh? H- you have a really good one from a certain HBO series. That's all I'll
6: say. Oh, oh yeah, yes, yes I do. <laughs> and um, and and there's Woody Harrelson and uh, Donald shared a. There was a theme when we were looking at birthdays, and it was the Hunger Games. So Damn. we have Hunger Games.
3: Donald Sutherland. Uh,
6: connection between Sutherland and uh, Woody
3: Harrelson. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And, uh, and one of
6: my favorite uh, excerpts from uh, the very last part of uh, the, the Hunger Games, The Mockingjay. So nice. we'll enjoy those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
4: I love it. Yeah, I love it when things tie together like that because one of the uh, uh, the two two of the three Rankin Bass trailers we have for the Rankin Bass birthday also has mm-hmm. Orson Bean in it, and it's his birthday this week as well.
6: Oh, there you go. And we had him on on uh, the Twilight Zone.
3: Yes. Yep. <laughs> Orson Bean just keeps rearing his uh, his little bean bean head. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, well, all right. Without further ado, uh, I want to get into. Uh, I recently watched a documentary, and just coincidentally, uh, this fellow's birthday is this coming Sunday, July 25th, um, and uh, I, I forgot the date, but his name is Al Adamson, and don't worry, I'll have that information here for you soon. But um, I found this, uh, Al Adamson was a, uh, a low-budget B film producer that was the son of a uh, an Australian... Western actor who moved to the United States, and I'll, I'll, well, we'll get to the audio here in a sec, but uh, Al Adamson was quite a character. He's, he's kind of, he was kind of an Ed Wood without all the hangups. Um, but he was, uh, he was born July fifth, nineteen twenty-nine, and this was just a happy accident that I had just watched this, and then I was looking at his Wikipedia, and lo and behold, he was born July twenty-fifth, and this is a hell of a story. i want to share with everybody and it's fascinating all the way through the documentary that i watched um, was put out by um severin Um, they've done a lot of really cool documentaries i think probably a few you've seen michelle um and uh but this is called blood and flesh and um and it's the the story of uh al adamson so here's a little bit about how he got started in the film uh, film industry um, and some of the voices that you'll hear in a lot of these clips, his brother, uh, well, you'll hear from Al Adamson himself. Uh, you'll hear from his uh, close, uh, uh, the, his, the film promoter that he worked closely with uh, throughout his career, uh, Sam Sherman, uh, who's a real character, uh, really cool guy. His uh, brother, Ken Adamson, and, um, and uh, it, we'll hear of uh, from uh, a, a couple of the actors as well. One notable one when we get to talking about Dracula versus Frankenstein, John Bloom, who played uh Frankenstein, was uh you guys probably would recognize the name Harry and the Hendersons. He played uh, Harry Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. The dude was like seven foot two or something like that. So wow. uh so yeah, so he was a tall, tall feller. Um, right up there with Richard Keel and um uh oh Lurch, what's his name? Uh, 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 Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah, Andre the Giant, uh, Ted, uh, oh, God, what, what was Lurch's name? Ted what? Uh, I don't Cassidy. Know. Cassidy, thank Cassidy. you. Cassidy. Thank you. So, uh, but yeah, so here we go. Here's the first clip I, I pulled from Blood and Flesh, uh, the Al, Al Adamson story. And um, this is all about how he got his start. And I believe the clip starts with him speaking from some archival footage.
7: I got started in the business because my father was in it. I grew up in it. As long as I can remember back, that's that's the only thing I wanted to do, was be around films. I I guess I was more of a fantasy world. I didn't think I ever would be. (laughs) But I ended up being in them. Just kind of happened. Al was like the brother I never had. He was just a great guy, and we had a lot of fun together. We're partners, friends, and compadres. (laughs) I consider him my best friend, and uh, he said that he considers me his. Al was born in
8: 1929 in California to a father of Denver Dixon, aka Victor Adamson, and his mother Dee Dixon. She was a non-professional, but Denver Dixon trained her to be an actress. Al might have been conceived during the making of this film in Oregon. Denver Dixon had been a cowboy in New Zealand,
9: and he specialized in rope tricks.
10: My dad could rope ride a horse and drive wagons. He also could use a bullwhip and get a cigarette out of my mother's mouth. Oh,
8: no, no, no. <laughs> Denver Dixon was the original independent. He was a working cowboy from Australia. He made the first Western in Australia in 1910, came to the United States, worked on the East Coast, went to the West Coast, did Westerns. He was offered a big job with Universal, turned it down.
7: He went out and made his own films, distributed his own films. By doing that, he took all the control, and he was able to make a good living making films.
3: Yeah, so those last two voices, uh, uh, the last one was Al Adamson, and right before that was Sam Sherman. Um, And uh, Denver Dixon, the Australian cowboy, I love that. But, you know, he, he turned down, you know, major studio and started his own production company. And that's something that his son, Al Adamson, learned from. Uh, apparently, uh, Al really got his start by because his dad was making a movie, a Western, uh, that uh, that Al was starring in. And there was a huge breakdown on the set. And, every, you know, his dad walked off, a bunch of other people walked off. And Al was like, I'll finish the movie. He didn't know what he was doing but damn it he finished the movie um and uh, you know he that's you know what he did that's how he got his start and uh shortly thereafter uh, he started dabbling in working on films there was one called Psycho a Gogo um that was later I love this because it, this movie Psycho Agogo, Gogo go go dancing was really big in 1965 so they wanted to have go go dancers and you know a, a psychopath Um, so they did psycho go, go, and then it didn't go over with audiences. So then it was later reworked into a movie called the fiend with the electric electronic brain. (laughs) (laughs) They shot all this additional footage and added zombies and, and you know, this, this storyline about a a mad doctor who, who, uh, puts, you know, some kind of weird electronic brain in a guy and makes him go crazy and starts, and he starts killing women. um, and uh, you know, it didn't go over well. Then he started trying to do another movie, and he would shoot movies in like two or three weeks. Um, except you know, when he was doing Psycho Agogo, which was reworked like three times to get to the point where it was called The Fiend with the Electronic Brain. And uh, then he did a movie called Blood of Dracula's Castle that tanked. Um, and uh, and then then after that, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, the fiend with the electronic brain came out in '69, and then they shot more footage and reworked it into a movie called Bloody Blood of Ghastly Horror. <laughs> so there's <laughs> oh, <movie, wow. laughs> so there was probably about 20 minutes of a film from Psycho Agogo left, and then and and of course because years in between. There were certain actors who looked older. There were, you know, uh, styles that were changed. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's only four years, but still, that's that's a, that's an enough time to... Uh, uh, well, let me see. Actually, let, let me see. When did Blood of Ghastly Horror actually finally come out? Oh, oh, yeah, 1971. So six years later, Blood of Ghastly Horror finally came out. Um, Then he worked on a film called The Female Bunch, which was... Kind of a girl gang movie, and then he worked up to uh, probably what is regarded as one of his best films. Um, obviously, clearly a knockoff of Easy Rider, uh, Satan's Sadists, uh, starring Russ Tamblin, who was in West Side Story and later went on to uh, uh, he, he was um, on Twin Peaks and both iterations of Twin Peaks, and um. Uh, and, and it was, it was a fun movie. That's where this, this clip, uh, Russ Tamblin actually, um, oh, let me, let me see. Well, well, hang on one second. Cause I, I skipped over one. There was the horror of the, uh, oh no, wait, Satan this was before. So we'll, we'll play the, the clip about that first. Um, Russ Tamblin um, was pretty much retired and was an artist and didn't want to do films anymore. And his mother even cautioned him against doing this once, you know, they saw the script and they were like, yeah, the script was bad. Uh, she says, she's like, it'll take your career. Uh, also some trivia about Russ, Russ Tamblin He's the father of Amber Tamblin and the brother-in-law of David Cross from Mr. Show with Bob and David. So, uh, there's, there's that for you. And, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah so this is out of order from the documentary but I, I do want to play this first because this is kind of the the order of the, the how the films were released but this is what russ Hamblin had to say about his part in um satan the
11: script was pretty bad and i thought well i'll just uh say what i want to say most of the
7: time
2: <laughs> if you could just see your
7: face i gave him the opportunity in satan satis to do a lot. I let him improvise and there's a lot of one-liners. You know, what if?
2: What if this don't count?
11: Plus a speech on top of the car that I completely wrote. What was originally written there was really
7: crap.
2: You're right, I am a rotten bastard, I admit it. But I tell you something, even though I got a lot of hate inside, I got some friends who ain't got hate inside. They're filled with nothing but love. Their only crime is growing their hair long, smoking a little grass and getting high, looking at the stars at night.
8: Quentin Tarantino, he said, you know, I'm such a fan of yours from
5: uh, Satan Sadists. I said, okay, come on, you're putting me on, right? And he said, no. And he started quoting my speech. He quoted it like line from, for line.
11: And he just thought it was brilliant. And I told him, I said, I wrote that, you know.
3: Yeah. So, uh, and, and if anybody doesn't remember this uh, from our from the days of Turn Up the Night, when I would start the show uh, in the last couple of years, uh it, it would be that clip that said it's seven o'clock do you know where your freedom is that was Russ Tamblin as well uh from twin Peaks the uh the the newer series um but uh but yeah I, I think that I th- always like that when you know if a script especially if a script is bad and you've got a good actor let him go crazy right so in yes. and, and that speech you'll hear a lot of that speech when we get to the trailer break because I do have satan sadist uh lined up uh as well as uh the the next movie I want to talk about uh that came out in um uh let me see nineteen seventy, a year after Satan said is completely different tonal shift. And uh Michelle, this has one of your favorites, John Carradine was in it, and apparently he was um uh, drinking a lot, but they say in the documentary he was totally blitz passed out on the couch and they're like here's script changes and he's like, okay and then he walks out in front of the camera never blew a line he could drink himself into oblivion but never blew a line so yeah and Al Adamson noted notably hated uh retakes and and uh uh John Carradine was in at least two of his films, possibly more. But uh, this one, this movie, again, is something that is so strange on how they did this film. It's called Horror of the Blood Monsters. And what happened is I think it was um, a, a vampire movie, like a prehistoric vampire movie that was made in Thailand, I think. And they got like 20 to 40 scenes or something like that from this movie. And they were black and white, but they were making a color movie. So all the scenes with John Carradine and the rest of the cast, the the modern cast, this new you know for the day that they were shooting in the spaceship that went to the vampire planet, and the intro that had these vampires coming at you on the screen, and you know it's this weird narration, totally a weird, disjointed, bad movie. But it, it's so weird on so many fronts because. What they did is they had an ingenious way of making the black and white footage work. Although, you know, any keen eye would realize, oh, how come the main characters never interact with these characters from this other footage? It's because it's two separate movies. So they bought this footage. They wanted to rework it. It had, you know, some cheesy uh, special effects for, like, flying bat monsters and claw beasts. And then they also acquired some... Uh, some bad dinosaur footage, and of course, you know those classic movies where they'd have, uh, um, you know, they'd put actual real like you know, Gila monsters or something on a set that you know, to make them look huge, and uh, and you know, cut away to the the gasping, um, uh, you know, victims or whatever, uh, you know. So they had all this all this footage in there, but it's black and white. All the stuff is new. So they came up with a, a, a pretty clever way to sell the movie, and uh, and it looks ridiculous, but I think it actually got butts in seats back in the day. So li- listen to how they <laughs> worked this out.
7: Sam and I are good picture fixers. <laughs> We've taken a lot of bad pictures and shot additional footage to them and made them work. Do
5: you think there may be animal life out there? It's possible. <laughs> Sam Sherman would have Al Adamson shooting more footage for these foreign films that hadn't played in America at all, or maybe not much. Sometimes it would just be a few scenes, sometimes it would be like 20 to 40 minutes of brand new footage. You're right, Doctor. There is an intelligent form of life. And you'd go to see this movie, and you'd think, "Uh, something's not right about this movie. It doesn't really fit together right. Well, that's because it was made in different decades in different countries.
8: We had a thing called Creatures of the Red Planet. It was a Philippine movie, black and white, that Al was reshooting as a space flight to this planet where these prehistoric things were going on. And this prehistoric footage, black and white, was going to be tinted red. But it gave you tremendous headaches and eye (laughs) strain. So I said let me follow what a silent movie would have done. Daytime, amber. Water scenes, green. Nighttime, blue. And when the vampires came, that's when I used the red tint.
9: They called it Spectrum X. That was just (laughs) to disguise the fact that you were bringing a black and white and a color film together.
8: Oh, so I said, Al, oh, we got to add more footage to explain why the colors were changing.
1: I brought home the spectrum gun to show you what is happening with the chromatic radiation belt. Choose a color. Green. How about uh, red? And uh, blue. Right now, I'd like some relaxation. In any color.
3: Yeah, so this uh, chromatic radiation belt was uh, was <laughs> affecting the planet that they visited. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, oh, this is what happens, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, there's different kinds of chromatic radiation. That you might walk into from scene to scene, <laughs> in, in the movie it just would be like you know one scene to be yellow, one scene to be green, one scene to be red, one scene to be blue, and they just seemed to kind of randomly throw it in there. And you know, again, I like what uh, Sam Sherman said there. He was kind of taking a cue from silent films, but I, I mean, it was just such a, a a crazy way to put a movie together to to recycle this footage. And make something completely new. I admire that. I admire that a lot. And I don't think it detracts from you know from the art that they were doing because I happen to be a huge fan of this this schlock kind of stuff. And um, it it was just uh, I watched this movie the other night, and it it's bad, but it's fascinating, you know. And actually, the the flying bat creatures from the Filipino uh, production were actually kind of cool um but yeah in it, 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 but there's this one there's this one actress who who plays um one of the people who separated from her people her people being the actors in the uh, Filipino movie that was recorded like a decade earlier and they they kept saying come on we got to get you back to your people we got to get you back to your people we got to get you back to your people and she never got back to her people because <laughs> Different country, different era, <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a way to sell a movie, and the, you'll get to hear the trailer for that too. It's it's absurd. Um, but uh, and this is the last movie I, I want to talk about before we get to the trailer break, and then we're gonna shift gears and talk about the real crazy part of uh, the uh, Al Adamson's life. Um, but, uh, this, this next movie is a movie that I was most familiar with, something I saw when I was a kid on Chiller Theater out of Pittsburgh, hosted by Bill Cardill, Chilly Billy Cardilly, of course, uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein. This was in pretty heavy syndication. Um, it was, uh, one of, it was, um, it was uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s final horror role, and it was, um, oh, what's the actor's name? Um... Uh, I'm not as familiar with him, but let me see where where is uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein on the list. Um, it, it was the final J. Carroll Nash. I don't know exactly what he was in, but it was his final film role. Um, but he was it, and this is what Al Adamson would do. He basically would give careers. Kind of like what Ed Wood did with Bella Lugosi and Kenny Duncan, who was an old western actor and, you know, ser- acted in serials and stuff like that. Um, uh, but, you know, it, he would, um, you know, he still loved these guys, and he didn't understand why Hollywood didn't, so, you know, he they was keeping them working. But J. Carroll Nash was in horrible health, and so was Lon Chaney Jr., and... Um, uh but uh it, you know and, and there's some funny stories too about Jake Carroll Nash they he couldn't remember his lines so they had to make him these really huge cue cards and he had one glass eye so you see him reading the cue cards but only one eye is moving and the other eye is stationary so it's really kind of trippy looking <laughs> <laughs> And he had loose dentures too. And in every in the sound guy was like, "What is that clicking noise? What is that clicking noise?" And they're like, "Oh, he's got loose dentures." And Al was like, "Who cares? Just let it go, you know." <laughs> but this movie was put out, and it was a uh, th- this movie also had like three iterations before it was Dracula versus Frankenstein. And um and uh, I love it when you get to the end. There, uh, uh, Zandor Vorkov is the name of the actor. Who plays Dracula in the uh, uh, in this movie? And when you uh, and again, this is the one where uh, John Bloom, who was in Harry and the Hendersons and a bunch of other cool stuff, uh, played Dracula. Worst Dracula makeup, or I'm sorry, worst Frankenstein, worst Frankenstein monster makeup in any movie ever. But I still love it. But yeah, this movie is weird. It's disjointed, and it started out several different ways. But th- they'll they'll tell the story of how this movie came came about.
8: Al sent the sixteen work print for Danny and his backers to see, and they hated it.
3: Oh, so this was I'm sorry. So I sh- better setup is the they they finished the the first iteration of the movie, and I think it was called Blood Freaks, about um uh you know mad scientists at a circus you know, or something like that, but anyway.
8: Al sent the 16 work print for Danny and his backers to see, and they hated it with shelving
7: it. We just had problems with story. Some of the stuff we shot just didn't work. It was one of those pictures it didn't work. So I said, Danny, listen, would you let me try to fix this?
8: And he said, okay, see what you can do. So I start looking at this.
12: What in the world is a
8: creature
11: important? A leftover from the sidewalk carnival days run by a Dr. Doray. At least that's the name he the name he uses.
8: At least that's what he calls himself. Maybe he could be something else. Maybe they Dr. Frankenstein to change this whole concept of the script.
13: What is the answer?
8: How about if he's the last of the Frankensteins, the last Dr. Frankenstein?
14: At the time I was working a graveyard shift and shooting the movie at the same time, in, in uh, going through the makeup process, where Frankenstein was getting energized and all these things were zapping sparks, the original set stuff from Frankenstein—you know, the, the electronics and the, all the— TV, you know, Al went out and got all the original stuff. Kind of just went, Am I, is this really happening to me? Or?
8: And we put this thing together, and I said, how about if we also throw in Count Dracula? And we got him in there too. I had nothing to do with that, I didn't write it, I wasn't working with Al, I didn't even know about it at the time. Al was very specific. He said, I want to get our friend Roger to play Dracula. They picked their stockbroker to play him.
14: <laughs> Dr. Duray, I presume, I hope your busy schedule will allow me a brief visit with you.
3: I suppose a stockbroker could, uh, you know, make a good vampire. <laughs>
4: now, or a lawyer, there you go. <laughs>
3: so so there so they were like you can't use your real name you know or whatever is real name, because he had a real real basic name um so they came up with the idea of zandor using and like from anton zandor levey and then vorkov is supposed uh, supposedly uh, oh this was forrest j ackerman i believe came up with this name for him uh who was actually in the film as well i don't know if michelle probably knows that name Forrest J. Ackerman was the guy who did, you know, what famous monsters of film land and uh, all all kinds of great um, uh, publications and movies over the years, and had a museum dedicated to sci-fi and horror memorabilia, actual props, things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, but he he had a small part in, but he and Vorkov is just a, a reworking of Karloff is what he said. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was that was pretty funny. But anyway, there's so much more I could talk about with his movies. I'll kind of give a bit of a recap on some of the other films that he did uh, later in his career. But we're gonna we're gonna have to kick it into high gear and get to the last audio clips that I have, because the tr- truth is often stranger than fiction, especially in this story. So uh, here we go. Coming up for you, we've got uh, trailers for um, uh, I. I don't know if I put them in this order, but I put a uh, uh, horror of the blood monsters, um, Satan, Sadis and Dracula versus Frankenstein here for everybody. So, and uh, I'm giving Kill the Hippies a week off. Uh, so, because Mort's planning a, a barbecue for tomorrow that I might attend. But uh, we might have time for one of their songs tonight, but probably not. Oh, and that Horror of the Blood Monsters artwork there, that's Neil uh, Adams' artwork uh, that you just posted. Uh, classic comic book creator. So. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll be right back. Lots more. It came from Cleveland after this.
15: The shocking scenes you're about to see are not suggested for the week. Or immature if you cannot take it we advise you to now patronize the concession stand or look away from the screen during this preview of satan's sadists
2: you're right i am a rotten bastard i admit it but i tell you something even though i got a lot of hate inside I got some friends who ain't got in inside. They're filled with nothing but love. Their only crime is growing their hair long, smoking a little grass and getting high, looking at the stars at night, writing poetry in the sand. And what do you do? You bust down their doors, man. Dumbass cop. You bust down their doors and you bust down their heads.
13: Born
15: mean. Savage servants of the devil.
5: How
11: about
2: a little of this baby?
11: Is it better to have
13: loved and lost than to have never...
15: Out of today's headlines, a shocking, realistic story of the wave of revolution and anarchy sweeping our country today. Sinning, slugging, and drugging their way to hell. Satan Sadists are not a pack of imitation angels. They're modern rebels, warped by the generation gap and turned on to everything by the torrid tempo of the strange age we're living in. Satan Sadists are helling it like it is, baby, and smashing and slashing at anyone in their way better To the any Dig the wild music from Satan Sadus on Pendulum Records. It'll blast your mind.
13: Come into the cave of the batch demons. They're waiting for you. They're longing for your blood. You'll drop in to join them in horror of the blood monsters and you a ghastly journey into the weird world of the undead. creatures slither out of the night to satisfy their unholy cravings. Don't come to see horror of the blood monsters alone. Bring a friend. Bring a fiend. Bring your nerve. You'll see human beings hideously transformed into the most grotesque creations we ever dare to show you on
1: screen. <laughs> Gruesome mutations of the cult of empires. <laughs> feel the warmth of living human blood in their veins. Their bodies are cold and dead. Dracula versus Frankenstein. serves the dead. A dead man who controls the doctor and the living creature horribly created from the mangled corpses of their victims. Dracula versus Frankenstein. His blood is cold but his mind is keen. He cannot die for he is already dead. His name is Dracula. Another lives but his body belongs to the dead. The two will join forces, but only one will survive Dracula versus Frankenstein. Oakmoor Cemetery is a Oh, lifeless place to visit at night. Unless you're already dead. And your name is Dracula. Together, in one film, they meet in a fight of fright. The kings of horror battle to the death. Dracula versus Frankenstein.
10: I think I killed somebody. I know I killed
3: somebody. Probably with with those trailers. Uh, (laughs) And then some. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So welcome back, uh, Michelle.
4: Hello, hello. I've Uh, got some pictures I put up in there for your movies.
3: I appreciate that very much. And Joe, welcome especially back to that
4: Houston. bad Frankenstein makeup.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was, it was Universal wasn't going to sue him over that likeness. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, Joe.
6: <laughs> yes,
3: I don't think so. Yeah, and uh, Miles, hello to you as well. Hello. All right, so let's get back into this because uh, well. Uh, 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 you know, I got to do a lightning round here because, uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, his career, Al Adamson's career as a B movie actor, uh, kept going, uh, into, you know, up until the early eighties and then he kind of retired. Um, and he had, uh, quite other few, uh, you know, shockers and ripoffs and things like that. Uh, uh, angels, wild women, a lot of, a lot of nudie cutie kind of stuff, uh, uh, blazing stewardesses that cashed in on blazing saddles and stewardess movies at the same time. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you know, they weren't afraid of anything. They got into some black exploitation stuff with Black Samurai. Uh, they did a musical called Cil- Cinderella 2000, uh, Dr. Dracula, why not Dr. Acula, As, you know. <laughs> and uh, Death Dimension, uh, Carnival Magic, was one of his final films with a talking chimpanzee. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and apparently this chimpanzee was really, really, really old. And of course, always wanting to save a buck, Al Adamson probably got the oldest chimpanzee he could because it was too old probably to be around people because I guess it hospitalized one of the gaffers or something like that. And Ouch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it was, and and there were also scenes where th- there were some really unfortunate scenes in the movie, at least at least one, where there this one actress was scratching the stomach of the chimpanzee, but the chimpanzee's back was to the camera, and her hand motion of scratching its stomach up and down didn't look like she was scratching the chimp's belly if you understand mm. what I mean with her arm but moving she was making
4: him happy down. in another fashion
3: <laughs> yeah I sure maybe love it a happy was, ending maybe
6: it was the happy ending of the movie.
3: Yeah I, I shit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh <laughs> um hiding uh yeah uh it's uh yeah I'm now I'm just uh looking for uh, my blazing saddles uh drop here uh yeah. gee I sure hope
1: there's a happy ending
3: I
11: love a happy ending
3: uh, all right so all right so back to the documentary so so after that he there, he got involved in uh with some weirdos that were like crazy UFO um you know truthers and the his girlfriend at the time his wife passed away his wife was in a lot of his films that he made she she starred in uh i think her first uh role was in uh um the um uh satan Satis. uh beautiful knockout uh um she uh where, where is her name in the cast um Regina Carroll that was his wife he ended up marrying her and they had uh, but unfortunately she died of cancer in the 80s um but uh he remarried or, or started dating uh, this woman and start and he started making this movie that was about you know UFO truther kind of stuff alien abduction shot like hours and hours and hours of footage never finished it um and that was like and, and he did these weird television interviews about you know, uh, what, you know, we don't know what's out there, but then in the documentary, his, his girlfriend was talking about, she was talking about lizard people and, and stuff like that. So, you know, she was off the deep end and she was like, you, yeah, sometimes their eyes flash and you can see that they're lizard people, you know, which is thank you. That led to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, QAnon and the insurrection that followed that kind of logic, magical thinking. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, so, so that was an interesting, um, aspect of his life. And, and so he started to become a little more secluded, but you know, it, not, not that much. He still had properties all across the United States. He had a yacht, a yacht in Hawaii, uh, but he had this, this property in California. And, uh, one day, um, uh, this guy that he met, uh, he needed some work done on his home. Uh, and he hired this guy named Fred Fulford, and this is his brother, um, Ken, uh, no relation, Ken Adamson, talking about this guy, Fred Fulford, who was helping him do work on the cheap.
10: Fred was building stuff for my brother, you know, things around his new house.
5: Adamson was a little bit on the, uh, should I say, um, uh, on the side of always saving money and and not uh, spending a lot of money. So Fred came at a cheap price.
11: I noticed that Fred started behaving strangely. Al wore his hair in a very unique way. He kind of combed it straight back. So Fred started wearing his hair that way. Well, then he had those Pierre Cardin-type shirts that he would wear. Well, Fred started wearing those. There was a one day when um, Britt and I came home from the store, and we had a bunch of stuff in the truck. And, and it was kind of dusk out, and we pulled up in the driveway, and I thought it was Al standing at the top by the garage. And I said, Britt, I said, get out and ask Al to come help us unload the truck. And so Britt gets out and goes, Al, Al. And the person turns around, it was Fred, and we're like, going, oh, God, it was creepy.
9: Did you discuss this with Al?
11: Yes. And Al, he goes, oh, Steve, you're just doing your woman thing. Everything was like my woman thing.
10: I couldn't believe some of the things that he'd done, but I guess he knew what he was doing. So I told my brother, I said, you know, does Fred know all, what he's doing here? And he said, oh, yeah, he knows all that stuff. So, okay.
3: Yeah, sure. You know, and, and he's and he's starting to uh, dress and look like Al Adamson. That's always good. Um, so he so this guy starts uh, taking a lot of liberties, a lot of liberties, uh, using the credit cards uh, in you know buying building materials and then taking them back to the hardware store and returning them for cash. Um, and, you know, wearing his clothes, using his cars, doing, doing all this stuff. And there's, there's audio that I, I can't play because we don't have a Spanish speaking audience out there, uh, from the housekeeper who documented a lot of, he had a live in housekeeper who documented a lot of this information, uh, you know, um, goings on around the property. So, um, so his brother, Ken Adamson, um, you, you know, he, he's like, well, I want to go check up on, you know, my brother and see what th- see if this guy's actually doing, you know, the work that he should be doing. And so he swings by the property.
10: I get there about 11 o'clock, 11.30. And uh, I said, where's my brother? And he says, oh, he's out looking at a car. As a "Fred told me, I said, looking at a car? What the hell for? He had four cars then. He said, oh, "He, you know how your brother is. He said he'd be back in a while. So I left and went home, and, uh, and I got halfway home. I called back because I lived—you know—I lived two hours from Al's house. I called back and I said, "Is he there yet?" And he said, "No, he's not here yet. He's still out looking at the cars."
3: All right. So uh, many other people started to try and get in touch with uh, Al Adams and uh, friends, family members, uh, Sam Sherman, of course, his close associate who worked on all the films. They stayed friends, uh, their, uh, their entire lives. And, uh, you know, and, and this guy, every time they get in touch with this, uh, um, I'm sorry, Fred Fulford guy, uh, he, you know, he'd say, nope, not here, not here. He, uh, He gated the, uh, he changed the locks on the gates of the property, uh, started doing some really odd behavior, including um, uh, Al was very, very proud of an in-ground jacuzzi that he had. And this guy uh, ripped out the jacuzzi and um, he filled it in and uh, that leads us to the next clip.
10: I went back down there and talked to Fred again and I wanted to know where the hell he was. You know, because he should know where he was at, he's working for him. Uh,
5: Fred didn't let him wouldn't allow him to go into the home and use the excuse that he had just
9: resealed the entire uh, floor of, of the residence with this lacquer seal.
10: So I called the police.
9: Once Al was reported missing. They began an investigation. They needed to follow up to make sure he wasn't just somewhere.
7: You know, they had a yacht in Hawaii, they had property.
9: Al had property all over the United States. So they needed to follow up to make sure he wasn't just somewhere enjoying a vacation or whatever, just wanted to get away.
8: They were getting nowhere, just nowhere. I said to Linda, I'm going to concentrate in my mind as much as I can concentrate.
3: This is, uh, this is, uh, uh, just real quick, Sam Sherman, his close associate who lives, uh, I think he lived in New York during this time. And, and so he's, he's, you know, being kind of a goofball, but he's saying, I'm going to reach out with my mind and try and get an answer.
8: And try to reach him wherever he is.
4: I said, how can you do that? I mean, that's far fetched. He said, I've got to.
8: And I am lying a bit and I'm saying, Al, I don't know where you are. If you're sick, if you're dead, if you're whatever, You've got to give me a sign. And one word comes through into my mind. Cement.
3: And it turns out that after he ripped out the jacuzzi, the housekeeper uh, documented that he had uh, contracted a cement truck to come out and fill in where the jacuzzi was. And he retiled the floor over where it had been filled in. So after exhausting all resources, and I don't know if uh, uh, Sam Sherman actually gave this tip to somebody or if this is just kind of a one-off to try to titillate you for a documentary, Um, but uh, the police uh, found out about the cement truck and the jacuzzi and everything, so they went in with picks and jackhammers and all kinds of excavation equipment and... Here we go.
14: We were
11: using picks. We were
0: using shovels. We were breaking up the cement. We went at it all night, and it was in the mid-summer too, so it was very hot. I wanna say our low that night was close to the hundreds.
7: It took five or six hours, and then we started pulling out the cinder blocks. The investigators and the officers worked throughout the night. And finally we got down to a level of dirt. There's a strong odor of decomposition coming from
8: the area in question.
7: Oh, that smell. And it
14: was extremely hot, so yes, there is a very strong smell or odor that comes
0: out and develops. And It's kind of like, okay, we're on the right track. That's when everything got slower because they had to be a lot more careful. And it was piece by piece. They started using brushes.
7: As we continued on down, we found what appeared to be a body wrapped in cloth.
3: And yeah, uh, the handyman, uh, I'm sorry if I should have given a warning. If if this will upset anybody, I apologize. Um, but uh, the the handyman, uh, yeah, he uh, he beat him. Uh, he beat him to death. Blunt force trauma. Uh, wrapped him in a comforter. Uh, put him in the bottom of this hole. Uh, again, they put cinder block, cinder blocks, concrete tile over the top, and um, and they found him. And uh, the guy. The the uh, unbelievable thing this 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 bastard Ken Fulford to this day maintains his innocence, but of
4: course he does admitted
3: to ripping out the jacuzzi, coincidentally, and doing the
5: floor. <laughs> oh yeah, the jacuzzi, I did that, but the killing, no, well, I did the floor. Yeah,
3: I don't know how was the, how do you get down there? Uh so but uh, no, that, I apologize. I apologize if that was too upsetting for anybody but I found it absolutely you know it, it's been the the uh the topic of a lot of true crime and stuff like that and you know and and it's not necessarily my cup of tea but you know I it's like you know this this has been well documented, and I wish I could have found some of the news stories regarding this, but they're just not out there. But I appreciate what Severin uh, Severin did with the uh, documentary, and um, you know, putting it all in one place. But uh, Joe, what were you saying? Nothing. I just I blame the cement guys. Yeah, really. So they must have brought a body and
6: threw it in there. And went-
3: but yeah, so so Michelle is horrific as the movies he made, you know, I mean, you know, like I said uh it's 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 awful, but it's it's good that they got the guy, you know um yeah
4: that's that's a that's a theme for a horror movie all on its own, you know, yeah. without you know being cheesy monsters that thing that yeah. is just absolutely tragic,
3: yeah. It really is because, you know, he, he could have, you know, kept going to this day. You know, his, his uh, partner, uh, Sam Sherman, is still alive and, and um, you know, uh, active in, in films. And uh, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I just it, it was so stunning to me to find out this information because I the way I found out about this all was I was doing an eBay listing the other night for Dracula versus Frankenstein. Um, and I always look up and try and get some trivia to put on there and stuff. And I, and I was like, oh my God. And it just so coincidentally, um, his birthday was July 25th. So I was like, well, here we go. Here's, here's what I'm talking about on Friday. Um,
4: what was, um, what was the date that this all happened? Francie's
14: asking.
3: This was in the nineties, um, that he, uh, uh, uh let me, uh, find the exact date. Uh, this was June 21st 1995. He was only 65 years old. Um so um but yeah, so he uh um you know, uh, met his untimely demise because he hired this CD guy uh to to be a live-in contractor. Uh the contractor and the contractor fled to Florida. They 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 tracked him down. They found him. They arrested him and he's, uh, they gave him 25 years to life. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, this is, uh, 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 I didn't see this coming when I was, well, you know, uh, w- when I was doing the research, I didn't see it coming. But then I saw they did, that Severin did this documentary and I was like, well, I got to watch this. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's like, th- that's the only place they put the information. Um, with is, you know, there's no publicly available news stories or anything that I can find. I searched everywhere. Um, but, uh, you know, so my apologies to Severn for spoiling your documentary for our small audience. But, uh, but there you go. Yeah. So Miles, quite a, quite a twist there, huh?
5: Oh yeah. That's, uh, I mean... Just to just to that to go out that way, but on the plus side, look, look at all the money he saved.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, um, but uh, but yeah, you know, I just uh, I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's like the, you know the when the details started unfurling, there's so much more. I do recommend the documentary to everybody. Uh, Blood and flesh. Uh, there's a lot more to it, and you know, and it really does illustrate well uh, his his career you know and and how it was cut short i mean i think that's the important thing about this is that he did so much fun cool stuff and he you know and that was stolen from him so it 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 honors his legacy but also um you know talks about you know how he was murdered so um but anyway my apologies if it was too upsetting for anybody but that's that's what the documentary was Um, and his family was not afraid to talk about this either. So, you know, this was, uh, uh, what, nearly, uh, 20 years ago. So, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, nearly 30 years ago. Uh, but yeah, so, so there we go. Um, that's, that's it. Um, yeah. So any final thoughts before we go to the break, Michelle?
4: Um, no, that's just that's just tragic. I mean, all the red flags were there, and then just to find that—oh my lord!
3: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Joe. Uh, quite a shocking end, huh? You there, Joe?
6: Yeah, when you're yeah when you're when you're in trouble, keep digging.
3: Whew. I, I just can't believe <laughs> I just can't believe this guy. you know uh, had the tenacity to deny that he did it when you know he's like i was railroaded railroaded you were the only person that was allowed to go onto the property you locked yourself in and you ripped out the jacuzzi that he loved and you filled it in i mean just unbelievable unbelievable
5: what the defense contends is that the the victim bludgeoned himself to death and then pulled himself into the hole after uh wait no before i'm sorry
3: yeah all right well okay we get the picture on this so uh again my apologies for not warning anybody about But it there is a warning that that this show is does (laughs) have gruesome stuff in it every hour so um but uh anyway uh, we gotta go to the break. Uh when we come back, we're gonna find out who didn't land a role in Star Trek, who turned it down. Uh but yeah, so but rest in peace, peace Al Adamson. Uh I love his films and uh he was a true innovator and a brilliant marketer, uh, with his partnership with Sam Sherman. And uh, you know, he had will have a a legacy that will outlast the scumbag who uh, stole his life from him. That's for sure. We'll be right back.
15: It's
0: going to be a good night.
1: It came from to- Cleveland, we Ohio of strange rituals the savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts from the dead kept alive by experimental science science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces Now at last,
0: the real shocking story can be told.
1: We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. to foolish unto you something
15: evil. The shocking scenes you're about to see are not suggested for the weak or immature. If you cannot take it, we advise you to now patronize the concession stand. Not recommended for
11: impressionable children.
3: There are warnings. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show. And I'm sorry if, if I, I didn't mean to upset anybody once again. I, I, I thought maybe... People were kind of seeing where it was going, but maybe I should have been more clear. Um, It's not the usual fare for this show, true crime. So, uh, But anyway, welcome back uh, to the program. Uh, We're definitely going to be shifting gears right here, of course. So welcome back to Joe and Michelle. Hello. Hello.
10: Hello.
3: And uh, Miles, uh, we're gonna go down uh, get, uh, the the Trek uh, 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 trivia hole tonight. Uh, you got a, a top ten list for us, and then we'll uh, I do get to Ronnie uh, Cox's there, birthday.
5: I have a list of ten actors that were known to uh, have declined roles in the Star Trek universe, if you will. Um. Which, you know, some people can, like, scratch their head, like, why would you do that? But, you know, each individual would have their own reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the bottom, number ten, is uh, the actress Michelle Forbes, who is known to play Ensign Rowe in about three episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. And it was a popular character. Yes, but, I remember um, Michelle Forbes was not i guess interested in um that role Mm -hmm. uh she didn't want want to continue playing it because in deep space nine the major kira character was going to be her was going to be ensign roe interest just as like like uh, cole maney who was uh chief engineer Mm o'brien he went over to Deep Space Nine. And Worf eventually went over to Deep Space Nine. Yes. Uh, Michael Thorne. But, yes, the Michelle Forbes, uh, that that character was supposed to be uh, the Major Kira, and apparently Michelle Forbes had uh, decided not, not to go that route and uh, opted out. So, uh, at number nine, we have Kim Cattrall. Oh, okay. And... She played uh, the character that uh, turned out to be the um, betrayer in the Star Trek 6 uh, movie that uh, was the one that, I don't know, that wanted to kill Klingons, <laughs> okay. if, if, if you will, if you remember that character. Because originally, what was supposed to happen, it was it was supposed to be the Savik so- character, but... Kirstie Alley, uh, uh, as we know, uh, was not tapped to play that role again mm-hmm. after the uh, the first time she played it in, um, uh, I believe it was Wrath of Khan. Sounds uh, right. I
3: think so. Yeah. Uh, no. No. that's the one. Where,
5: yeah, I think it was no, Wrath of I Khan. Because think... that's when Spock died. Oh yeah.
3: And then she was replaced in Search for Spock with a different actress, right? Yes.
5: Yes, she was replaced by another actress, and so the Savic character had two actresses, and Kim Cattrall refused to play the same character as the third actress, so they made a separate character. Oh, and Gene Roddenberry did not want the Savic character to be the betrayer, so he was also against it being the same character. Uh, so... So anyway, well, so she, and, she uh, did land. She she did land a role in Baby Geniuses in 1999. Uh, <laughs> right. So Kim Cattrall was also offered the role of Major Kira in Deep Space Nine, and turned it down to play in her HBO series. Uh, it doesn't come to mind what series it was. I don't know. Uh, Sex in the City. I, I don't know. But oh yeah, uh,
3: yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah, she she was also in that that cheesy movie Mannequin. We just sold a copy. We told, sold two copies of that movie on VHS. Mannequin.
5: I think Mannequin <laughs> happened before. It uh,
3: did. Christmas it Christmas did. So, I'm just you know yeah. throwing it out there.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I like Mannequin. It was a cute movie. Yeah, for what it was. All right. So uh, that was Kim Catrell turning down the role of Major Kira, even though she did play one role. Mm-hmm. Number eight is <laughs> Frank. Sinatra Jr. Wow. So a role was made for him the name of the name of Vic Fontaine, which is in Deep Space Nine. Apparently there was a role of a 60s Vegas singer, lounge singer. Ooh. And the role was written for Frank Sinatra Jr. Now Frank Sinatra Jr. was interested in being in Star Trek, but he wanted to be an alien. He did not want to just show up and be a human. Okay. And so he turned the role down. And uh, the actor that took the role apparently did a spectacular job of portraying a, uh, a lounge actor. And uh, I have yet to see that episode. I can't really go into it because I know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I I know a little bit more, I'm looking forward to watching, you know, binging Deep Space Nine one of these summers. So we'll see how that goes. Sure, but, uh, sure. So that was um, that was Frank Sinatra Jr. turning down roles. So number seven is a name very familiar with Star Trek, and that is Jeffrey Hunter. Okay, does that name ring a bell? It does. That is Captain Pike. Oh, so the actor that played Captain Pike his name is named Jeffrey Hunter. He. Uh, uh, because the first uh, the pilot uh, after the first pilot, the show was like not um, picked up or what mm-hmm. have you, but then it was. But by then, I think uh, so. the The offer to uh, Jeffrey Hunter was there, like, "Hey, you want to you want to be the captain?" And he turned it down because he was persuaded th- uh, by I don't know advisors, friends, whoever that his future in film. You know, it, it, he was he was persuaded to pursue his film career as opposed to the silver screen uh the tv screen mm-hmm. and uh, this is a sad story for him because yes yeah. oh that's my work phone going off i'm sure it's important I'll, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll finish i'll keep going so ignore the ringing it's in the other room my apologies so no he continued making a few other movies and in one of the movies, uh, an accident happened where uh, the special effects people for they're in charge of making explosions or what have you, goofed. And in the accident, the explosion caused the glass to blow in on him as opposed to blowing out. Oh, geez. And it caused him a brain injury. And then a year after that... He had a stroke, and he tripped on some steps, and he died.
3: Oh, that's terrible!
5: Very, yeah, that's a sad, sad way to go. So that—that's Jeffrey Hunter's uh, forty-two years me. old. Yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, total, total shame. Uh next person is named Genevieve Boujol, who was apparently a French actress, um, and she was originally slated to play the character Elizabeth Janeway for uh, the Voyager series. And there is film of this actress in that role. She shot it for two days before opting out. Apparently, um, the 18-hour days of uh, television shooting, were too much for her. She was not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a grueling. Uh, uh, yeah, that's her, and uh, she opted out, and that's why Kate Mel grew was then selected to uh, then take the role of Catherine Janeway. So- yeah,
3: Jean-Vivien Boujol was also in Je- uh, Dead Ringers with um, uh, the David Cronenberg film with um, uh, Jer- Jeremy Irons.
5: Oh, cool. I like me Jeremy Irons. That, that's, yeah. that. He's, he's good stuff. Dead Ringers is a great movie. That. that
6: was a great movie, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay, alright. So, for the redo of the Star Trek movies, um, everyone knows of Benedict Cumberbatch playing the role of Khan. Anyone t- want to take a guess as to the actor they tried to get for that role?
3: Who? Um, that's Gilbert a good Godfrey.
4: <laughs> Antonio Panderas.
3: Good guess. Uh, let me let me do a guess. Uh, what about um, uh, 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 Del Toro? Um, Bingo!
5: Nail it it? in one. Really, yes. Benicio okay. Del Toro was approached to play the role of Khan, but apparently the issue uh, is rumored uh, that uh, Del Toro wanted more money than they were offering.
3: Yeah, he was—he so, was my guest just because it seems like you know—I don't know—he just seems like he would be a good, uh, a good pastiche for Ricardo Montalban.
5: Yes, yes, and uh, I mean, there's been a brouhaha in Hollywood about the whitewashing of roles, if you will. Yeah, and uh, I do not knock Benedict; uh, he did an awesome job. Portray. I love watching him. Mm-hmm. You know, when when he's in a movie, just roll me in some butter. No, I don't mean to say that. I mean, just give me some buttered popcorn, and I'll I'll have I'll be that's I'll be happy. But now you're uh, talking Joe's language. <laughs> hey, don't so tell me. So anyway, yeah, Benicio del Toro uh, declined to play the role of Khan. So, all right, now uh, movie Star Trek Five is a movie I have never seen. Okay. And I'm told I am better off for it. But apparently, there is a character in there called Cybok, who is Spock's brother. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Who is played by an actor who I do not know. And uh, apparently, he did a great job in that role, despite the movies being garbage. But he did a great <laughs> role, uh, job. And uh, so. <laughs> This character, who wants to try and name who was originally um, um, so, uh, <laughs> a, a, approached to play Spock's brother, and it is a famous actor.
3: You know what? I, I will guess what I think would have made sense and actually has some history with uh, being considered to play a Vulcan,
5: Martin Landau. Interesting. Choice, but uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Trebek, you're wrong.
3: <laughs> Anybody else gonna guess?
4: Sean Connery.
5: That's it. There we go.
10: Oh.
3: With, my, with
5: that. Oh, hint. So, yes. There. Yeah, M- Michelle and I watch enough uh, Saturday Night Live skits of Sean, of uh, the Sean Connery uh, Trebek skits. Yes, that's so. Uh, Sean Connery was approached, but Sean Connery. Already was committed to playing uh, Indiana Jones, so he was not available ah, to play okay. Spock's, Spock's brother. And, uh, however, in the, apparently in the movie, the the mythical planet was named Shahkarri, which is an homage to Sean Connery. They should have gotten oh,
3: George oh, Lazenby? Uh,
5: oh. Lazenby. Oh, Lazenby.
3: Lazenby, yeah. Sorry, I always say that wrong.
5: Okay, I I I don't know what his I don't know anything about his afterlife after Bond. Um, Well, I'm just am
3: just saying, you know, since (laughs) or
5: Roger Moore. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Um. So, uh, uh, next on number three on the list, it's gonna get more difficult. Would you rather I name the actor or would or the role that was supposed to be? I'll take chosen.
3: I'll. I'll still try and guess. I don't have a problem with that.
5: The character was Zephyrin Cochrane in the first Contact movie. He is the guy that invented the warp drive.
3: Okay. And he so was he's the one played... on the
5: planet with, um, mm-hmm. I think, Jordy and Frakes, uh, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Riker.
3: Yeah. He was uh, played at, by Jamie something. I, um... Right.
5: So another actor was approached to play Zephron Cochrane
3: oof okay um
5: also top a-lister
3: oh top a-lister um i might have already spoiled this for myself so i'm not going to say anything we'll say uh tom cruise
5: very close (laughs) definitely a uh uh, an a-lister and uh you're, uh, I'll just skip along. Oh, We'll just proceed. Uh, you're right about the name Tom, though. It was Tom Hanks.
10: Like it, I remember!
5: So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Tom Hanks, apparently, I mean, he was also in the Apollo 13 uh, yeah. movie, so he's got his space uh, uh, credo yeah. there. So, uh, yeah. But, unfortunately, Tom Hanks is already committed to directing a movie called That that Thing That You Do, or That Thing You Do. But, yeah. So, Tom Hanks was not available, but uh, that would have been some, uh, you know, because Star Trek doesn't have you know top end actors uh, in, in you know joining it for, you know.
3: No, it sure leave. doesn't, uh, you know. But uh, you know that that that's, you know, I guess with the exception, if you look at well, then again, Malcolm. Malcolm McDowell will do anything for a ham sandwich. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Star Trek Generations. But you know, he, he he's a big guy, and you know, he's done. He does great work. I'm uh, just saying, he
5: he's one of those guys who will, will, will take any role.
3: Um, right,
5: right. So, number two on the list is the character is the actor that was originally approached to play the role of Spock.
3: What, and that was who's gonna guess? Well, wasn't Martin Landau originally approached to play? It Spock? was Martin Landau. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this and is that's trivia that par- stuck with me for a while.
5: So Martin Landau apparently declined it because when he saw the script, he considered the role of Spock to be too wooden, and mm-hmm. as an actor, he wanted to be able to convey emotion or whatever you know, blah 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 blah. So yeah. Martin Landau, who went on, you know. He still had a career, as uh, you know, but oh, he yeah, won you know, an Academy Award
3: for his betrayal of Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood.
5: Yep, but In I mean,
6: nineteen ninety nine. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. That series, I, I think, I think I remember seeing two episodes of that series. I, I but uh, yeah, but Martin Landau. Well, you know, I don't know if he has regrets, but okay. And well, now, he's dead
3: now, so I don't think he has any regrets. Probably. I don't think,
5: yeah, I, yeah, no.
3: I mean, he had a great career with Mission Impossible. so Yes, you know, yes. Uh, oh, I love Mission I, Impossible. Ironic, And ironically enough, Leonard Nimoy uh, went on to star in Mission Impossible. <laughs>
5: that, that is, a, oh, wow, yeah. There you go. And so we're at the number one. So the number one spot is the first actor that they approached to play the role of Picard.
3: Ooh. Wow. Wow. This is, um, I think we should all guess, even if we don't know.
5: Uh, Take a guess, and then I'll give you a hint that will really narrow it down.
3: Okay. Um, Let me see. Should we do 20 questions about this? Should we ask questions of Miles? Would you like that, Miles?
14: Oh, yeah, sure, sure.
3: Were they an American actor?
5: Yes, I would say yes.
3: All right. Um, Joe, you got one?
13: Mm,
6: Was he ever in uh, a Western?
4: Not to my knowledge.
3: Michelle? So I would say no.
4: Um, hmm. Was he ever in a horror movie?
3: Yes. Mm. Was he more famous for movies or television? Movies. Ooh,
5: um, Joe. Being in movies Let's is see. the reason he declined the role. He wanted to continue. Was he
6: ever nominated for a major movie award like the Academy mm, Award?
5: No, not that I'm aware of. No. Michelle.
4: I'm thinking. Um. was uh did he ever do any uh stage work?
5: Not to my knowledge,
4: no.
3: Was he in a horror franchise? Yes. Oh, okay. All right.
5: Oh man. Was it was it Robert England? Oh no, no, no. He is not um he he died in the first movie. <laughs> Oh, he died in the first movie.
3: Oh man! So, Love was, the horror is he is he roughly uh, this was he roughly the, the same age as uh, Patrick Stewart?
5: I don't think so. Um, uh, although, um, I could be wrong. I have a question. Go.
4: Was he footloose?
5: Was he what?
4: Was he footloose?
5: <laughs> Kevin Bacon.
4: Yep, Kevin Bacon. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> she went oh, right Kevin, Kevin Bacon died in a horror movie. Oh, yes, he he died then yeah. the, the first Friday the Thirteenth. In the first Friday Thirteenth. All yep. right, here's a clue that was. It is not the same clue I was going to give before. He was also in a Bond movie.
3: Oh boy, um, Christopher Lee. No. Well, he's American. <laughs> he believes David Niven. Okay. Uh, no. He was also in a Bond movie. <laughs> P- um, Bond movie. So it had to be he had to be a villain in in well not necessarily a villain, but he had to be in it had to have been an eighties or nineties Bond movie. I will say yes, he was a villain. Okay.
5: Oh. I'll narrow that down for you.
3: What did he oppose uh Pierce Brosnan? No. Um was it was he in Living Daylights? No. Roger Moore? Yes. OK, so he opposed Roger Moore in a movie, and it's not Christopher Lee. No. Oh, man. Joe, you remember any of the Roger Moore villains that might have fit the bill?
6: No, I don't.
4: What's it, the movie with Grace Jones?
3: No. Was it Moonraker? No. Uh, oh, uh, that was fun! A, a view to a kill? <laughs> no. Uh, man, not man, not man with a golden gun, obviously. No.
5: Live and let die. Live yes. and let die.
3: Live and let okay. die.
5: That that gives it away though. Now
3: you got the. Idea. I don't remember who the villain was in Live and Let Die. <laughs> he was also in the movie Alien. Oh. Uh Oh God. Um. Not not, not
6: not the black not the black guy in alien uh, what was his name? Yeah.
4: Yes. Yes. sir or something? yas
3: yeah. something. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
14: Yeah.
11: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
5: Oh, okay. okay. Wow.
4: Oh that's kinda cool.
3: That's
5: very cool. Yeah. Koto was originally um approached to play the role of Picard.
6: And he would have turned
5: good. it he turned it down to play to focus on his film career and it said that later he said it is said that that is one of um, Gaffa Cotto's greatest regrets oh, that's not accepting the role of, mm. uh, of Picard
3: well I guess you know it takes a, an actor like uh, Patrick Stewart to to show what that what kind of potential can come out of a role like that and the writing
5: yeah, the right, because yeah, the writing yeah. on the show
3: is incredible. Oh man,
5: the Picard character was amazing. I mean, it, it is so. Um, I still have a few uh, trivia's on on the on Patrick Stewart and Picard of uh, from last week that I didn't get to finish because I just ran out of time. But anyway, so those are the top. Those are ten actors that uh, basically declined roles. In uh, the the Yafakoda one surprised me. Uh, sub- immensely. I I was not... I didn't know about Sean Connery either. Mm -hmm. uh,
3: All right, well, go through your your trivia, because I still got that Ronnie Cox audio uh, for when Patrick Stewart wasn't Captain of the Enterprise for two episodes.
5: Okay, uh, let me get through... All right, uh, well, let me just hit one that I found uh, amusing. So, on a Graham Norton show, the one where uh, Liam Neeson is there, uh, along with Ed Sheeran and Alan Davies, so there's... He tells a story about When he was in San Francisco and he was at a hotel and he got on an elevator and a drunk uh, married couple apparently got on the elevator with him. And when the doors closed, the man blurred out, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's Dr. Spock from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and to which his wife responded, honey, no, no, you got it wrong. This is Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh
3: my
4: God! Oh boy!
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Funny. Uh, yeah, that that that's a humor story. Oh, oh, Patrick Stewart will not hesitate to tell a story that puts him uh, it makes fun of himself or puts him in a funny light. Oh yeah, um, uh, yeah. He, he's well known for that. Uh, Patrick Stewart has lamented that he was never tapped for a role for the Harry Potter series. Oh. Um, he was considered for the role of Willy Wonka in the chocolate Factory for the uh, the one that Johnny Depp wow. eventually got. Um, it. He was playfully nicknamed Old Baldy by his Star Trek cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, along with Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, uh, guided more than 280 artists to try and help the United Kingdom remain in the uh, european union i guess all we'll right how that ended up yeah. um and the character of captain picard was put on a set of british postage stamps so very patrick cool. stewart's face was put on a postage stamp in uh in britain uh, uh, november of 2020.
3: In very then, cool
5: so there you go. There's some more nerd nerd stuff uh, that uh, we did not know about Patrick Stewart. So I'll let, I will yield to your clip of stuff you want. to All right. To, uh,
3: so yeah, I'll we've got two quick clips, and uh, we'll try not to eat into too much of Joe's time. We all have a relatively short break coming up. Uh, but there were two episodes of Star Trek uh, that featured one of our birthday uh, folks, Ronnie Cox, who is famous for being the guitarist in De- Deliverance. You want a disturbing movie? There you go. Uh, but Ronnie Cox uh, also starred in RoboCop and uh, portrayed Captain Jellico in a two-part episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Chain of Command. He, uh, 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 Picard, had left uh, on a mission uh, with Worf and um, uh, Dr. Crusher, uh, a stealth operation into Cardassian territory, and they all get caught. Worf and... Um, uh, crusher make it back to the enterprise. Captain Picard does not um but before the you know every all everything went down with the Cardassians, um a new captain was installed uh on the enterprise and that was Ronnie Cox as captain Jellico. and uh, during a nego- negotiation with the Cardassians, um the Cardassians said, yeah, we'll give you Picard, but, you have to make a lot of big concessions here for us, and Jellicoe didn't want to budge. Riker, on the other hand, disagreed, and that's how this interaction went down.
15: What are you going to do?
3: Send a message to Admiral
11: Nechev. I recommend that she reject Lamech's proposal and deploy additional starships along the border. What about Captain Picard? I'm not suggesting you trade an entire star system for one man's life. But you've got to acknowledge that these were Federation orders and that he is a prisoner of war. No. He will have the protection of the Solanus Convention. That would play right into Gollamek's hand. He's just waiting for some sign of weakness on our part before he starts making more demands. I can't believe you're willing to sacrifice Captain Picard's life as a negotiation tactic.
15: Will? Captain, we're all concerned about this. Are you questioning
11: my judgment, Commander? As First Officer, it is my responsibility to point out any actions that may be mistakes by a commanding officer, sir. Then maybe it's time you found other responsibilities. You're relieved. Don't make me confine you to quarters as well.
3: <clears throat> Sir. So intense. Great writing, great acting, great moment in Star Trek. Well, um so uh and i know miles that's the kind of stuff you like you know the the real oh yeah that was
5: some top-end drama there
3: yeah yeah well it turns out they have this new plan that jellico comes up with where he wants to plan plant mines around the uh cardassian fleet and they need the best possible pilot on the ship he has a conversation with geordie laforge and says i could and geordie says i could do it but really you want the best pilot on the ship Angelica's like, well, who's that? The it's Riker, the guy you relieved from duty. Well, he decides to go to uh, Riker's uh, cabin, and they have yet another exchange, which is quite fascinating. Come in.
11: Am I disturbing you? Not at all. Musician. Yes. Classical? Contemporary? Jazz. Ah. Is there something I can do for you, Captain? (laughs) Are you aware of our plans to attack the Kardashian invasion fleet? Yes, sir. I understand you've been talking to every shuttle pilot on board. Let's drop the ranks for a moment. I don't like you. I think you're insubordinate, arrogant, willful, and I don't think you're a particularly good first officer. But you are also the best pilot on the ship. Well, now that the ranks are dropped, Captain, I don't like (laughs) you either. You are arrogant and closed-minded. You need to control everything and everyone. You don't provide an atmosphere of trust and you don't inspire these people to go out of their way for you. You've got everybody wound up so tight, there's no joy in anything. I don't think you're a particularly good captain. He didn't like that. I won't order you to fly this mission. Then ask me. (laughs) Will you pilot the shuttle commander? yes you're welcome
5: (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) oh nice oh
3: so so happy birthday ronnie cox that was some great and good job jonathan frakes and and uh to both of them on that uh but yeah ronnie cox still with us uh still playing guitar uh, beyond deliverance and uh still acting and you know um uh, Michelle uh and we gotta we gotta cut this pretty quick uh, to go to the break but I always uh I, I when I would see Ronnie Cox when I was younger I I could have swore that he was a Carradine brother because he looks a significantly a, a decent amount like David Carradine, I think
4: yeah yeah a little bit um especially around the nose and the corner of the eyes yeah yeah yeah, so I can see that.
3: Yep. Uh, but I was convinced for a while that he was a Karenian brother. Sorry, Joe, we, we might have cut a little bit into your time, but don't worry, we should be able to get to everything when we come back. Uh, all we just have a, a relatively short break here, five-minute mythical moment from uh, our good buddy Adam, uh, continuing his uh, Monkey King saga. So we'll be right back right after this.
9: For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with mythical moment number 14. Sun Wukong The Monkey King Part 6 Clash on Flower Fruit Mountain When we last left our story, Monkey had made a mess of heaven. He had picked the grove of immortal peaches clean, snuck into the Jade Emperor's palace to crash a banquet, drank every last drop of the immortal wine, and stumbled drunk into Lao Tzu's laboratory and consumed all of his pills of longevity. The Jade Emperor, done with trying to work Monkey into Heaven's bureaucracy, called his entire military of Heaven to arms. The massive force that ascended upon Flower Fruit Mountain consisted of 72 generals, gods of Taoism and Buddhism, and over 100,000 celestial soldiers. Monkey's forces, on the other hand, consisted of the 72 demon kings he had forged alliances with, as well as his Monkey soldiers. At first, Monkey's army was able to hold back the forces of Heaven, even though they lacked numbers. However, Heaven soon captured all 72 of Monkey's demon allies. In spite of this, Monkey was able to hold Heaven's forces off again, using his magic to take on a six-armed and three-headed form. Heaven, at this point, was completely outclassed. And so, Erlong Shen ordered that Monkey's monkey army be captured in heavenly nets, causing Monkey to become startled. Monkey then fled, with Erlong Shen in hot pursuit. This chase soon became a spectacle of magic, shape shifting, and combat. Erlong Shen proved to be nearly Monkey's equal, although Monkey maintained a decent advantage, at least until he tried to imitate Erlong Shen himself and got caught by the general. Having been busted, He fled once more, only to have Lao Tzu drop a heavy and magical metal bracelet on Monkey's head, stunning the simian just long enough for Erlang Shen's celestial hunting dog to sink its fangs in the Monkey's leg. Erlang Shen finally captured Monkey and took him to heaven for judgment. Brought before the Jade Emperor, Monkey was almost immediately sentenced to death for his crimes. But a problem came up when nothing they did could harm Monkey. Their blunt weapons broke against his rock-hard body. Swords ended up chipped and bent spears ended up shattered, and arrows simply bounced off of him. This was reported to the Jade Emperor, who was less than pleased with the results. It wasn't enough that this monkey had claimed to be his equal. No, monkey had to go and humiliate his mother as well. He wasn't about to let this grudge go by any stretch of the imagination. Lao Tzu arrived at the palace and offered a suggestion. Monkey should be taken to his laboratory. After all, Heavenly weapons failed to harm him, perhaps Taoist alchemy could do the job instead. The Jade Emperor agreed, and Monkey was frog-marched back to the lab. Now, Lao Tzu was still mad about Monkey eating all of his pills. He had worked hard on that batch of elixir and he wanted it back if at all possible. And so he decided to throw Monkey into his 8-trigrams furnace, which was powered by the magic of the elements it would hopefully completely destroy Monkey and distill him back into his precious elixir. For forty-nine days and nights, Monkey was left inside this crucible to burn away to nothing. But Monkey was nothing if not clever. He hid by the trigram corresponding with wind, and that served to protect him from the most severe of the flames. After the time was up, Lao Tzu opened up the furnace. Naturally, he was quite surprised when Monkey popped out, unscathed. While he had been spared the full fury of the flames inside, His constant exposure to the smoke of the furnace had left his eyes permanently irritated and red, giving his look a very intense quality to it. What's more, the furnace hadn't burned Monkey away to nothing. Rather, it had actually refined his power and his body. While before he had had a body as hard as rock or metal, now his body was harder than even unbreakable diamond. Monkey was free, and more than that, he was pissed off. Cracking his knuckles before retrieving his staff, he glared at Lao Tzu and his attendants, narrowing his eyes before destroying the furnace with his trusty weapon and making a simple declaration: "It's monkey time." Next time, a mythical moment, Monkey's wrath brings hell to heaven, and the Jade Emperor is forced to call in the Buddha and the Bodhisattva Guanyin to end Monkey's reign of terror. For righto for humans, and it came from Cleveland. This is Adam Hebert reminding you that alchemy can be powerful but it will always be trumped by an angry monkey. Back to you, Kenny. Background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander.
2: You're right, I am a rotten bastard, I admit it But i tell you something, even though I got a lot of hate inside I got some friends who ain't got hate inside They're filled with nothing but love
3: Yep, their only crime is smoking some grass And (laughs) staring at the stars (laughs) Uh, Anyway, welcome back to, or as we like to say on the show Wild Parsley? Yeah, Wild Parsley Uh, Welcome back to the show, Miles. Thank you for uh, some awesome Star Trek trivia. Sorry we ran a little bit long there, uh, everyone. And uh, Michelle, welcome back to you. Looking forward to talking about one of Susan's favorites. Susan's going to join you on the program to uh, share a little bit of her insight into Jared Padalecki. I will back away a little bit, but I'll still run the board. Don't worry. And uh, Joe... Joe... Uh... It's time for you to talk about your two birthdays. Uh, set it up and I'll knock it, knock it out for you.
6: Okay, so we have uh, two birthdays this week. Uh, one was um, Donald Sutherland.
3: Um, a true and legend. One was... Uh, go ahead. I said a true legend.
6: A legend. And a versatile actor. So, yes. you know... And and likewise, uh, Woody Harrelson, who is quite the versatile actor. And um, so, you know, I'm glad now after your opening sequence that I didn't choose one of Woody Harrelson's worst, uh, not worst, but freakiest movies, uh, Natural Born Killer.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
6: Because <laughs> that, that would have brought us down to a real dark place. <laughs>
3: Oh, I already there did already that. There. So, yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But but it would have made it worse. So let's start with Donald Sutherland because Donald Sutherland and Woody Harrison do do share one movie that – or, or a s- series of movies that I, I really liked, which were The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And a series of books also. So let's start with uh, Donald Sutherland and his earlier years. Uh, I have a clip from M.A.S.H. Uh, – actually in the clip there's two scenes the first scene is when uh he first uh, uh arrives at the uh, mash the mash unit mm-hmm. and um he's told uh you know you may be uh, an officer but uh, i'm in charge by the by the uh nco there and we hear it for the first time in that 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 segment, uh, his famous, his famous whistle. If everybody remembers that mm-hmm. famous whistle, from MASH. Yeah, and uh, uh, later Honk on I in Pierce. the clip, we'll hear the or- original Colonel Blake uh, accusing him of stealing a jeep, <laughs> and his
3: his funny response. Here we go. The original Hawkeye Pierce.
11: What the hell you think you're doing, huh? Why did, uh, Just because you're captain, don't think you run the joint. Oh <laughs> come on, me... I run it. Yeah, all right. I'm just supposed. to... I here. know what you're supposed to do. Your driver will be with you shortly. He's having his coffee now.
7: Racist. The commanding officer is passing through? I was just
13: enjoying that lovely dish there. Uh, then you are speaking about a lieutenant in the United
1: States Army. Um, I'm Colonel Blake.
14: Oh.
2: Colonel,
14: I'm Duke Forrest, new car. That's my driver over here. Captain Hawkeye Pierce. Are you leaving? Yes, I am. Hawkeye Good afternoon, Lieutenant Dish. Good afternoon, Captain.
11: Captain Hawkeye. Hawkeye Pierce. I had a twix about you. It seems that you stole a jeep up at headquarters.
14: No, 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 sir. No, I didn't steal a jeep. No, it's uh, right outside, right there. Oh, so it is. That's right up there.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't steal that. Steal your car? It's right there. <laughs> See? So uh yeah and if you heard at the, the beginning of that first part where the guy was really telling him who's in charge and he says your driver will be here in a minute <laughs> he called him a racist <laughs> yeah <laughs> under
3: under his breath i did hear but that anyway <laughs> uh,
6: the second clip is the uh, is from um, one of the movies that were one of the creepiest you're going to want to see. Oh yeah, uh, and that was from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 version, and you'll hear it's the trailer from that that movie. And uh, so, if you can
3: run that, creepiest use of Amazing Grace on bagpipes ever. Honestly, honestly.
1: They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep, sleep, sleep. From deep space, sleep. Sleep. the seed is planted. Sleep, sleep. Terror Grows.
11: Matthew! Matthew! Matthew!
1: What the others.
11: Elizabeth, wake up. I'll get you
13: when
12: you sleep. Sit up.
1: Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
5: It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed.
12: All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my
5: name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed.
4: It looked right at me.
5: You're looking at it as if it was human, but not
1: human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow.
2: <laughs> We're being cornered.
1: In a modern masterpiece of science fiction.
2: they the
1: street. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the body snatchers. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows.
3: Sorry, I couldn't resist posting the gif of the dog from that version (laughs) oh
4: yeah creepy creepy
3: (laughs) you know there's uh, also and i remember reading mad magazine when i was a kid and they had a a parody of that or it was something else and they were referenced it but it was like a guy in a business suit with the head of a dog um so (laughs) so so, that was pretty funny well in
6: the next scene we have is uh again from invasion And uh, in this scene, Donald Sutherland's character, uh, Matthew Bennell and Brooke Adams' character, Elizabeth Driscoll, are driving along, having a conversation, when a man jumps in front of their car and lands on their windshield, screaming, they're coming, and here's a little trivia. The man on the windshield, by the way, is Kevin McCarthy. Oh, that's right! who play Sutherland's role in the original 1956
3: invasion. Yeah, and not to be confused with that creep in Congress.
14: Right, So, so. you can play that clip. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the one about the English Camel Corps? Did I? Mm-hmm. They're trapped in the desert, in the Sahara Desert. They've been surrounded by Rommel for 40 days and they've run out of food. And uh, the captain comes and makes an announcement to the men. And he says, Men, I have some good news for you and some bad news for you. And one of the men says, Oh,
2: wait, you have told me this one. Oh. <laughs>
14: <laughs> Can I tell it to you again? Oh, my God, my God. Oh, my God. Lock the door. Lock the door. We're
0: coming. are coming. coming. They're coming! They're coming! Listen
10: to me! Oh, listen! Shot of the me. You're next, please! Please! You're next! We're in danger! Please listen to me! Something terrible! Please! You're next! Here the are!
13: They're already here! Come! You're next! We're coming! We're
14: coming! It's the <gasps> the policeman will not help.
3: Yeah, not too creepy.
6: Yeah, no, and that that clip goes that uh, particular scene goes on. Then they they drive by, and Kevin McCarthy's uh, character is dead, and the cops are just everybody just stand there looking at him like, oh, too bad. <laughs> so, um, and the next clip is from the last installment of the Hunger Games series, The Mockingjay. And in this, in this scene, we have uh, Katniss Everdeen, who is played by Jennifer Lawrence, is entering the hothouse of the evil President Snow, who, by the way, loves ro- Red Roses. And, of course, Snow is played by Donald Sutherland. Um, in this particular scene, Katniss is there to kill him as revenge for his ordering the bombing of a children's detention center. talk about evil yeah where his where her her sister was held and died but before she does him in he reveals a secret was her rebel leader coin that ordered the attack that killed her sister not him and this is one of my favorite scenes from all the movies if you want to play that
14: that's a nice one the colors are lovely of course Nothing says perfection like white I was hoping you'd find your way here there are So many things we should discuss But I have a feeling your visit will be brief so first things first I wanted to tell you how very sorry I am about your sister. So wasteful. So unnecessary. Anyone could see the game was over by that point. In fact, I was just about to issue an official surrender when they released those parachutes.
2: You released those parachutes?
14: You really think I gave the order? We both know I'm not above killing children. But I'm not wasteful. I take life for specific reasons. And there was no reason for me to destroy a pen full of capital children. None at all. <coughs> I must concede it was a masterful move on Goyne's part. The idea that I was bombing our own helpless children to hold back the rebels it turned the last of my guards against me. There was no resistance left inside the capitol or the mansion. Do you know it aired live? There's a particular savvy in that, isn't there? I'm sure she wasn't gunning for your sister, but... These things happen in war. My failure was and being so slow to grasp Cohen's plan. She let the capital and the districts destroy one another, and she stepped in to take power of a 13th arsenal. Oh, make no mistake, she intends to take my place now. But I've been watching you, and you watching me. We've both been played for fools. I
4: don't believe you.
6: <laughs> well, she should have, and she did. <laughs> she ended up killing her rebel leader instead of him. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, you know, it was uh, it, this that was one of one of his, boy, he, that was a great sinister role he played there, and uh, that was one of the most sinister scenes when really it comes around that, you know, meet the old bus same as the new bus, or yeah. the new bus same as the old bus, the way <laughs> that way. So, um, so that that was Donald Sutherland. Now we move on to another. Uh, person who starred in the uh, uh, Hunger Games series, and that's Woody Harrelson, but he didn't have a start there. He had a start at a a nice little Boston bar that we all knew as Cheers.
3: Yeah, where everybody knows your name.
6: Where everybody knows your name, and in clip one, you're going to hear the Gang of Cheers. This is one of my favorites. They're discussing common recurring dreams that people have, you know, like we all have. (laughs) And when it's Woody's turn, <laughs> well, he sort of stuns the group with a rather bizarre
5: dream.
3: Oddly specific. Play that one.
5: <laughs> Oddly specific is right. I was at this party with a bunch of strangers. Food was great. Music was loud. All of a sudden, everybody in the place stopped and was looking at me, and I, I realized that I wasn't wearing any pants. Oh, yes, yes. I've had that dream a million times. Yeah, me too. And Boy, is it ever embarrassing, huh? Why's that?
8: (laughs) Uh uh I'm... Never embarrassed me. Tell you the one I hate, you know, you're back in college, right? And you haven't been to class the entire semester. The teacher's about to give the final exam. Mm. Oh,
2: yeah, that one's the worst. What
8: are you talking about, Kyle? You never went to college.
2: It's a dream, stupid.
6: Well, how about the one where you go to this fancy restaurant, and before they let you in, they make you leave your legs at the door?
11: (laughs) And the girl gives you claim check number six. So you go in, but instead of food, everyone's eating their silverware. Only you can't really enjoy your fork because you're so worried that whoever got claim check number nine might finish first and pick up your legs by
2: mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, that that dream. <laughs> yeah. And how did Francie that, predict the, the audio clip with that Donald Sutherland gif?
6: <laughs> I know, she picked it perfectly. She must be part of our, she's in our production chat. She yeah, there to, you she's, go. She's, she's, <laughs> she's uh, eavesdropping. Pantsless. So the next clip we have is, huh? Pantsless. Pantsless, yes. We all had that. I had the college. Dream just the other day, Uh, but anyway, um, the next clip is, uh, and again, one of my favorite Woody uh, Harrelson uh, roles was season one of True Detective.
3: You mean the only season of True Detective?
6: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nice observation, Eric. Thanks. (laughs) So, yes. So, um, in this scene, Woody Harrelson's character. Uh, who is Louisiana Detective Martin Hart, comes home to find his partner, Detective Rustin Cole, having iced tea with his wife in their kitchen. And uh, Rust was there to return Marty's lawnmower that he had borrowed and explains that while he was there, he, he cut Marty's grass. But Marty thinks he was cutting more than the grass. So play that one.
11: Hey, hey, what? <clears throat> what the hell do you think you're doing, man? At my house when I'm not here, returning the mower. You know what I mean. You mow my lawn. Hmm? Is what you think I'd be doing over here? You're not around, Morty. What's our problem? <sighs> You and me. No problem. I just don't ever want you mowing my lawn. All right. I like mowing my lawn.
3: <laughs> I you know, I I I, <laughs> I I concur with him. I enjoy cutting my lawn yes. as
6: well. Y- yes. Well, I let somebody else to cut my lawn, but they don't come in my house and have iced tea with my wife. True. So <laughs> Yes. And uh, thank you, Michelle. You captured the moment perfectly. You
4: are most welcome. <laughs>
6: uh, and clip three uh, that we're going to see is from The Hunger Games. Now, this is an interesting clip because in this scene, uh, he is playing the mentor Hamich Abernathy. And Harrelson was assigned to mentor Katniss Everdeen, who is Jennifer Lawrence, and Peeta Malarik, who is Josh Hutcherson. Uh before their first Hunger Games uh, episode, and Katniss gets a little bit surly, and dis- because uh, Abernathy or Woody Harrelson's uh, attitude is a bit dismissive, and at one point you hear a bang on the table, and that's her putting a knife right near his hand. <laughs> You'd freeze to death first. because I had a lot of fire. Oh, that's a good way to get killed.
0: What's a good way to get killed?
6: Oh, joy. Why don't you join us?
11: I was just giving some life-saving advice. Like what? Oh, I was just asking about how to find shelter. Which would come in handy if, in fact, you were still alive.
1: How do you find shelter?
11: <sighs> Past the jam.
1: How do you find shelter?
11: Give me a chance to wake up, sweetheart. This mentoring is very taxing stuff Wow Can you pass the marmalade?
8: That is mahogany
11: Look at you Just killed a placemat yeah. You really want to know how to stay alive? You get people to like you
3: Good. <laughs>
11: good start. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and that's good advice for everybody, okay? <laughs> Even our listeners. Good way to stay alive is to get everybody <laughs> to like you.
3: <laughs> this is true. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so, that was that was a great scene.
6: Yeah, and it was a great uh, trilogy, too. And I, I really I enjoyed the books better. There was a lot more detail, but uh, the movies were great. And if you haven't seen the movies... They're worth watching if nothing but to see the characters that, uh, (laughs) that, that are in, uh, Pan Am, as they called it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, Pan America, right? Pan Am, uh, Pan Am
6: actually is, uh, from, uh, the, the Latin, uh, Pan Am at uh, you know, Bread and Circuses.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. Pan I got it mixed up yeah. with something else. And and
6: which was, by the way, an episode on the original Star Trek.
3: Bread and Circuses. Bread and circus. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So, well, very good. Thank you, Joe, for that. Uh, uh, sorry to kind of rush you through them, but yeah, that's uh, uh, that was an action-packed little segment there uh, for all the kids. And, um, but uh, we are keeping a heartthrob w- w- waiting. And the ladies who love him.
4: <laughs> Got some sexy Sam. <laughs>
3: yeah, so Sammy. Um, but yeah, so the Sus is going to come on. And I, I'm, I'll, I'll just be here playing clips uh, for Michelle. And uh, we'll let you two discuss one of your favorite actors, Jared Padalecki. When we return for more, it came from Cleveland right after this.
13: I think I'll have me
11: a little drinky-winky. It's going to be a good
1: night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. Strange Rituals The Savage Horrors of Fearsome Mutated Beasts from the Dead Kept Alive by Experimental Science Science Runs Amok When Human Beings Tamper with Unknown Forces Cut the Power Now at Last the real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. to foolish, unto you, something evil. Together, in one film, they meet in a fight of fright. The Kings of Horror Battle to the Death, Dracula versus Frankenstein.
3: Sorry for Not all the for impressionable children. Forgot about that. Sorry for all the little random clips there at the beginning. The file was still saving, and I'm like, I don't have anything ready. <laughs> so I was like, all right, just keep playing short clips, and we'll get there. Anyway, welcome back. Thank you, Joe, for um, uh, all, all the awesome, great moments on uh, stage and screen. Uh, well, screen, small screen and big screen from uh, Donald Pleasance and Woody Harrelson. Two of our birthday got boys. Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sorry, I got Donald. <laughs> Ple- I got Donald Pleasance on the brain because I already scheduled uh, him for October fifth. I think because my God, w- when we talk about his career, it's going to oh, be stunning. Wow! Um, so also, talking yes. about the
4: Bond, vil- bond villains, kind of probably put him in your head too.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. True, true. So, um uh, but I knew he. And we did was avoid
6: born. natural born killer.
3: We did, we did, and thank you, Miles, for the the Star Trek trivia and uh, and and again helping celebrate uh, uh, Ronnie Cox's birthday uh, as Captain yep. Jellicoe, So, among so many other great films. And now, um, uh, Michelle, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, somebody near and dear to your heart from a series that you loved, and the Sues. Hello, Sues, also loved.
10: Oh,
12: hello. I'm oh a big hey, fan. Shoes. Hey, how's it going?
7: It's coming out, going.
12: Coming out <laughs> of the out of the fan chat room and coming to talk with all y'all. Oh yeah, cuz we
4: we we got a good topic now.
12: Yeah. <laughs>
10: he,
4: he's a cutie. <laughs> he's a cutie, but yeah. he's he's a big tall boy. I
12: mean Oh he's, yeah. He's not a small dude.
10: He yeah, Jared
4: no. Padalecki has had a very interesting uh, film and TV career. And um, what's funny is, you know, he's been in, you know, in the remake of the Friday the 13th. He's been in, you know, the House of Wax. He's been in Gilmore Girls, you know, and but everybody knows and loves him for Supernatural. So yeah. I think we'd open it up first, though. I think the first trailer I had was for a, uh, a movie called House of Wax.
3: Yes, and I'm going to try and buy some time here because unfortunately Soundbite, has, soundbite has crashed and I have to Oh, no. no it. Okay. That's all right. It's okay. It'll just, it'll just take a second. Uh, but, I've uh, seen it. I own it. Was I Paris, love it
4: too. I have it as well.
3: Was Paris Hilton also in that?
4: Yes, yeah, she well, was. Oh, yeah. Yep.
3: So, yeah, She was hot
12: then. Um,
3: she was
12: the original one. Well,
3: you mean she was <laughs> going she around was,
4: telling everyone they're hot?
3: She was marketable then, too. She um, yeah, had very
4: marketable, <laughs> she, yeah. you know long straight blonde hair, you know that that that, that tiny nose, you know those, you know well,
3: fake eyelashes classic, rich,
4: yeah rich kind of classic beauty tan. looking yep rich thin girl that uh, got
12: famous from um, having her sex tape get out in mm, Hollywood
3: and, and pocket dogs <laughs>
12: yeah, yeah all right
3: so 2005's uh, House of Wax starring Jared Padalecki.
13: it's getting late
10: what do you
14: want to do keep going why don't we just camp out i mean we're close enough right where the hell is this
12: place town's not even on the gps hello i don't think anyone's here hey there's that house of wax
13: it is wax literally you're not gonna go in there are you
11: Look how detailed this is. Okay, this is getting kinda creepy.
10: I heard something.
13: (laughs) What are you gonna do to me? (laughs)
11: Go, Charlie,
14: run!
15: They're all Wax, everyone!
10: (laughs) Behind you!
3: What's going on is I just posted quite a gif of Jared Padalecki in the chat room for the ladies or the men. Oh
4: my! <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Susan says, "Well, look at that."
4: <laughs> yeah, he's he's one he's one Thanks, hunk son. hunk of man. <laughs> yeah, he um,
12: I I, I can't believe that, that he says he doesn't work out. I mean, he <laughs> obviously does, but. He says he doesn't like it.
4: Yeah, well, no, nobody really likes lurking out. But if, if, if you see him from where he started back in 2005 up until now, how he progressed, he went from that cute little almost pudgy, almost pudgy face to he still had a little bit of his baby fat. <laughs>
12: mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And At the then... beginning
12: of Supernatural, they literally were kind of children. They were still in their 20s. I mean, they were in that show for 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now they have children and wives, and it's it's just they grew up with that show. But yeah, um,
4: Jared's got three. He's got two boys and a girl. Yeah. Yeah.
12: And he, um, I follow him on Instagram. I have nothing else. I really do on Instagram. But I do, um, you know, they they just drop videos on a regular basis. He's reading to his little girl. I mean, it's cute.
4: It's cute stuff. Yeah. But then, um, yeah. After House of Wax, though, he didn't. He, he did the remake of Friday the Thirteenth.
3: And... I
12: went to the theater and saw. I know I did. I know I uh, made. I Ken was go. there.
3: I was there.
4: <laughs>
12: I hey. enjoyed it.
4: It was a nice little modern remake. It, you know. Um, I've watched but... a
12: lot of DC movies
4: fresh out of the
12: theater, which. You know, at the beginning wasn't that fun. It got better. I got a lot of Marvel too. I would see him in the theater every time Ken wanted to. But um, you know, the first Hulk movie, it was hard.
4: <laughs> it was hard. Yes, I, I would understand that.
12: <laughs> but they were, but you know, they were excited, and uh, when I say they, Ken's uh, comic book friend at the time, Bob. Um, they were excited about it, and I was like, "Okay, I'll go. This will be a great, exciting movie of action and adventure." And I yeah. was just like, "Wow!" That was, that was back tough. in the
3: day when I had to talk myself into why the movie was, why the superhero movie was good.
12: Yes, yes. <laughs> you wanted to support superhero movies because you wanted them to make more. That's yeah. how long ago it was. So. But yeah, I made you go to Friday the Thirteenth. It was great. We went in a theater and there were people screaming behind us like don't go there there were people with like
3: five-year-old children there people with five-year-old children there
4: yeah there were
3: trashy people but it
4: was fun yeah we weirdo it's surprising the the, the people that will come to those theaters yeah. um yeah like, how many were there when you went to see friday the 13th remake Were there a lot of kids for that too, or no? Yeah, that was the one.
3: That was the one I'm talking about. Yeah, there was people. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) because we have
4: the trailer for it, and it's bad. It's not for kids. All right.
3: (laughs) Without further ado, Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand
2: nine. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today, is his birthday.
7: You won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we are. Very
10: nice, huh? ready?
11: Around here but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing. Have you seen
3: her?
12: She ain't missing. She's dead. <laughs> People go missing around here, they're gone for good. <gasps> There's
7: something up <out> there. to <laughs> get out of here, come on you guys. Oh my god.
5: This place is called Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs>
3: Birthday, Jason.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was it was a it was a fun little remake. Instead of it being the camp, it was basically like a uh, a hunting cabin that had been built, you know, by these rich kids' uh, parents on the old campgrounds. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were out there um, partying, and um, Jared's character shows up as somebody who's looking for his lost sister. And um, they're inside the house, and they start hearing one of their friends who had gone out, I think, either to check the generator, or I, I don't remember exactly why he had gone out. But he starts yelling. And that's the next clip.
2: The power goes out here all the
4: time. Ah, <laughs> help <laughs> me! Help me!
8: Please help me!
14: Lawrence. no, 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 no. you can't go out there.
8: We have to help him.
14: No, we can't, okay? He's using your friend as bait. He wants us to go out there.
8: Well, you don't know that. Where are the police?
11: Look, we have to help him.
3: Yeah, just call the cops.
4: Hey, if anybody would know about using monsters using people as bait, you know, Sam would. <laughs>
3: <laughs> true, if Sam true. Sam would
4: use
12: people as bait. He might.
4: Yeah, so it's um, uh, yeah, and then um, he has a really creepy encounter with one of the locals in the next clip.
3: All right, we love creepy locals here.
13: Hello. Hello.
11: I wanna ask you, um, if maybe you have seen somebody. My sister.
14: She's gone missing.
12: Jane missing. She's dead. What? People go missing around here. They're gone for good. Outsiders
1: come, they don't know where to walk. They bring trouble. We just won't be left alone. And so does he.
14: So does who?
3: why does jensen ackles always have dead women in his lives and his and all of his <laughs> i mean it, that's what drives the plot of supernatural walker texas ranger friday the 13th <laughs> oh
4: that's yeah, you mean jared yeah
3: <laughs> so uh, jared
4: not jensen
3: oh i'm sorry jared Padalecki. i'm sorry
12: yeah people are dying to get away from him
3: i meant jen well, said padelackles yeah,
4: when, when you have when you have uh, franchises that are based on horror, you know, and monsters and stuff like that, there's yeah. always going to be that. And uh, you know, one of the best things is to have a brother or a sister or a mother or a, a, you know, this you know, die or a wife, that, yeah, yeah, or a wife that really brings it up. I mean, Sam had a fiance yep. <laughs> and he his did. mother, so both of them got <laughs> destroyed like yeah. that. So,
3: and in um, Walker, it's his wife.
4: Yes, yep. it. Um but uh the next the next one is the one that's near and dear to Susan my heart and that would be supernatural and I I yeah. think I got the got the an early trailer for that one.
0: When I told dad I was scared of the thing in my closet he gave me a 45.
11: What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to say don't be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark? Are you kidding me? Of course you should be afraid of the dark. You know what's out there. Dad's in real trouble right now. I can't do this alone. This is Dad's single, most valuable possession. Everything he knows about every evil thing is in here. I think he wants us to pick up where he left off. You know, saving people. Hunting things. Tell us where our dad is.
13: You just won't take
10: Dad for an answer, will you? Where is he? Dead! No, he's not! He's not dead, he can't be!
1: More and more demons are walking among us. Storm's coming. And you boys, you are smack in the middle of it. Back in 1835, Sam Nicole made a gun. They say this gun can kill anything.
15: You're never gonna see your father again.
11: We've got Dad. We gotta go. Why? Because the demon knows we're in salvation,
5: alright? It knows we've got the cult. It's got Dad. He's probably coming for us next. Good. we still got three bullets left. Let it go. Listen, tough guy. We're not ready, okay? We don't know how many of them are out there.
11: I don't wanna trade him for the gun. If that were true, why well, didn't they mention a trade? We still have the cult the job. Screw the job.
14: We got work to do.
1: I will be working to help myself. And I will slaughter each and every one of you. You
10: can
3: burn it out. Early fine moments from the Winchester brothers.
4: Yeah, what's amazing um. about... Yeah, them and the cast and stuff—they have become such good friends, especially the three, the um, uh, three amigos, which I would like to, to, to term, you know, uh, 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 Jared, Jensen, and Misha, because they—they just become like the the closest friends and stuff like yeah. that. It, it, to me, I made a comparison earlier today, and I think it's really true. It's kind of like Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Vincent Price. You know, when oh, you work in that it. field and you, and you get to, you know, get, you know, work together at times, you create a really close bond and a friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the three of them have, you know, and um, it, it it comes from being on the set together all the time. Um, wonderful practical jokes. And they work long they- hours, long hours. Yeah, 20 hour days sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. practical jokes out the wazoo to break up the tension. Mm -hmm. and um one of my favorite ones um that I I I like to think about um because you know the characters themselves in the the show play practical jokes on each other and Mm -hmm. it's funny that the actors do the same thing off camera to kind of break up the tension um Mm -hmm. there was this one scene where Bobby is in the hospital and they're filming you know and that sort of thing (laughs) And uh, he's trying. He's laying in the bed trying to deliver his lines to Jensen and Jared. And just off camera, Jared is trying to make him mess up by playing with his toes as he was lying in the hospital bed, so you couldn't see it. So he's 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 sitting there and he's playing Little Piggy. Little, this little piggy went to market. And uh, uh, Jensen uh, Jensen said um, Jim delivered his lines perfectly. <laughs> didn't allow that to distract him at all. That's awesome. So, it's really cool. But um, yeah, so all sorts of practical jokes. There are practical jokes with underwear, uh, April Fool's jokes out the wazoo between the cast members. Um, but one thing that wasn't a practical joke and it was actually a misunderstanding, um, it just happened recently. Um, but don't worry, everything's all good now. Um, there was a tweet that went out. And this tweet was discussing Jensen's participation with the, their his uh, production company that he started on developing a storyline, a prequel to Supernatural centering around the Winchester family. And it was, it was gonna be called the Winchesters. Now, um, the problem is Deadline broke the news in a tweet yeah, and Jared read the tweet. Jared did not, it hadn't heard about this yet. No. And so his tweet was dude happy for you. Wish I heard about this some other way than Twitter. <laughs> Oof. I'm so excited to watch, but bummed that Sam Winchester has no involvement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but, but everything's okay now. Um, they talked about it, you know. They discussed it, you know. Jared, was, I mean, Jensen was a little uh, chagrined that it had gotten out like that. He wasn't oh, ready sure. for it at that time, really. Yeah. But um, it's pretty cool. I, I, I'd I'd watch it. How about you guys? Yeah, I'll watch it.
3: I'll check it out for sure. Yeah,
4: yeah, especially if he has you know the the younger characters and seeing how you know because basically it was it was the mother that was the the hunter. And, uh, you know, their, their father got into it after the fact. So. Mm-hmm.
12: Yeah. He was just a
4: regular guy that fell in love with their mother. So And she had a hardcore family of hunters. I mean, yeah. Was yeah. It, uh, what's the guy's name? Mitch Pelegi? Is that his name?
10: Yes.
4: Yes. The guy that played the father. He, mm-hmm. he, he, he was a bad person. <laughs> no, he wasn't. At the end, he was. In the no. series, he he became a bad person. Let's put it that way. Back yeah. when his daughter was alive, he was he was all right, but he he really let her death color him and turn him into a, a little bit of a monster. Um, But I will la- save that for people who have not watched the series. Do you guys yeah. want to? uh What do you have to say, Susan? I was pretty
12: addicted to Supernatural from the first. Like, I remember picking up a magazine at like a dentist. I was at the dentist. And I looked at it, and I was just like, I saw an ad for it, for Supernatural, and I was like, okay, this is a show about the occult, like the X-Files, I'm gonna watch it. I know I am. And I was addicted from the first season. But the first season did take a while to get rolling. It had some some not-so-greatly-written episodes. But then the second, I was just, I was roped in, you know? It it did so, have a rocky start, yes. It, a little bit, but I still liked it. Doesn't matter. I mean, it still was decent writing. You know, it wasn't like, you know, Colchick.
3: See, I um, was a little, I was a little confused about it because uh, Jensen Ackles played uh, that character Jason on uh, on Smallville, and his character yeah. his his mother was uh, Jane Seymour. On the show, yeah, and uh, and I thought that this was going to be a spinoff of that character because that was a supernatural storyline, with you know, because his mother was his mother was a witch, um, so you know, early reporting made me think that it was going to be a spinoff, and his character on Smallville, I was convinced was going to be Jason Blood, AKA Etric and the Demon, but he wasn't, so uh, but anyway. Uh, I, I just and wanted. To I was
12: addicted that. to Smallville, also, mm-hmm. and Ken was the one that made me watch Days of Our Lives when Jensen Eckle was uh, Jensen Eccles Ackles, I'm saying his name wrong. Was on that show as um his twin sister Sammy.
3: Yeah, was he possessed
12: a- by a demon.
3: Well, no, so it's his like mother. He had a sister
12: named Sammy, and then his.
3: Yeah, <laughs> his mother was his mother, Deidre Hall was possessed by a demon, and his sister's name was Sammy on the show. Sammy, Sa- Sammy, 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 Brady, just... and his his character's name was Eric Brady. Yeah,
12: yes, we were making fun of him saying Sammy,
3: Sammy already. Yeah, Sammy.
4: Yeah, I was yeah. kind of worried that it was going to be like a teen show, supernatural at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was a little yeah. concerned, but once I started falling into the storyline. I, I, I couldn't stop watching.
12: <laughs> yeah. I was I didn't care. At that point in my life, I was just like I don't know. I get roped into soap operas and I get roped into shows. And yeah. then I just I can't stop watching. So I don't care how bad it gets.
4: Okay, we have one last trailer, yeah. and that's for his current
5: project. Cool. I didn't protect
10: her. Ah, ah. Emily.
14: So what did I miss? You may run. I see her sometimes. I talk to her. For a long time. I can't think about anything else but her. I miss her too.
3: You're chasing ghosts. She is gone. And there's nothing that
7: you can do. I think I know you. You the ranger with the dead wife? What did you say? Texas Ranger's wife fights a bullet down by the border. <laughs> <laughs> I got a South Story, I
2: get that. And I got your back, that is my job. But I need to know that you have mine. Go
13: tell the
12: long-time liar, and tell that time. You are under
11: arrest. It's about your brother. He requested the drone footage of the night that Emily died. Tell them they them
3: down. You hear me when I say this.
11: You will lose everything.
14: Everything.
3: I watched the first episode.
12: <laughs> what did you think?
3: I'm uh, I'm surprised it got renewed for a second season. Good luck to him.
4: Okay. Yeah. I...
3: <laughs> Sue's watched ahead. it. Suze, What did you think though?
12: I've made it through. I I'm I think I'm to the third or the fourth, and I'm I'm not addicted to it, but it's not a bad
4: show. I gotta go back to it. I'm not addicted. Let me tell you that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched any of them. I think I may have watched one or two of the old series. Yeah. <laughs> <But> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, even that one, I kind of like, yeah, nah. <laughs>
3: well, it doesn't help for me that it's, you know, uh, it's based on a Chuck Norris series, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's like, really, could we not have just done something new, you know? Um, but I guess yeah. they, they want to try and play on nostalgia with the reboot, you know?
4: Yeah. Plus, it has a name brand. You know. Yeah. People. Yeah. People know. You know, Walker, Texas Ranger. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah.
3: So. <clears> uh, <throat> yeah. Excuse me. But no, no, that's that's good stuff. And and uh, uh, after after the break, I will have uh, his most terrifying role to date, Jared Padalecki. Nah. Oh <laughs> uh,
4: No, for. I I can't I can't imagine what you're thinking. I I, I know, I know his catalogs, so. I've made him watch it I've made How him watch it, it all It's not the Christmas painting movie is it
3: <laughs> I don't know
4: I don't know it's time to go to break
3: Well Michelle you got anything else Before we do go to the break
4: Um yes uh, We got the trailer break coming up don't we
3: Yes, we do. This is a long um, yes. one, so uh, Hank, bear with us. Uh, we'll, but we'll have like you know another fifteen minutes after we come back. So
4: yes, so we have we have two movie, uh, three movies coming, three uh, movie trailers coming up. Two were actual trailers, and one is a trailer that I made <laughs> because there was no trailer for it. Uh, <laughs> celebrating Rankin Bass, Rankin um, of Rankin Bass Animation, nice. and also Orson Bean, both birthdays this month. Nice.
3: All right, we'll be right back with the final portion of this installment of episode 15, 15, 16, oh shit. 16. Uh, 16 of it came from Cleveland right after this. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit.
0: Many ages ago, when this ancient planet was not quite so ancient, long before man recorded his history, it was the time of Middle Earth when man shared his days with elves, dwarves, wizards, goblins, dragons, and hobbits. In the lands of Middle-earth, in an area known as the Shire, there was a village named Hobbiton. There, in a hole in the ground, lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole, nor a dry, bare, sandy hole. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort.
13: Uh, yes. I am looking to hire a burglar. burglar? <laughs> I'm afraid you've come to the wrong place. You mean you do not wish to share a grand adventure? Dear me, no. We hobbits are plain quiet folk. Adventures make one late for dinner. Enough. I am Gandalf. And Gandalf means me. Gandalf? The Not the wandering wizard.
14: Ascend <laughs> to dungeon's lake and cavern's pool. We must away ere break of day to seek the pale enchanted gold. <laughs>
0: Foreign and company at your service. Dwallin', Ballin', Keely, Feely, Dory, Nori, and Ori, Owen, sir, and Glowin', sir, call him Biffa and him Baffa, and, uh, Bamboo,
1: at your service.
13: We
12: are all at, at your, your service.
1: Chip the glasses, crack the plates, that's what Bilbo Baggins hates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. So carefully, carefully with the plates. blunt the knives and bend the forks. Smash the bottles, burn the corks. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. So carefully, carefully with
13: the plates. What do these dwarves want in Hobbiton? They have come for
0: tea, and for supper, and for you, Uh, Burglar Baggins. Hear you now, a story of good against evil, an epoch that has its beginning and an ending and ends at a beginning. Listen as we speak of the fall of a lord of darkness and the return of a king of light. Concern yourselves with armies and wizards, phantoms and emperors, cloud-capped towers and bloodied fields of horrendous carnage. Consider no less from the characteristic transformation of that ancient world of wonder and magic to the world we know now of man. What mighty lord, you may ask, is hero enough to evoke such cosmic metamorphosis? Why, no lord at all, but the littlest of fellows, Frodo the Hobbit, and his faithful squire Samwise, who, beginning at the ending, now approach Rivendell the elvish home of Elrond. There to help celebrate the 129th birthday of Frodo's aged kin, Bilbo Baggins, renowned tormentor of
13: dragons. Bless my soul, you're a match for Smug himself.
0: <laughs> All of us, Frodo and Samwa, Their hobbit companions, Merry and Pippin, Elrond the Elf Lord, and I, Gandalf, wished Bilbo only the best. Hmm. But as we celebrated far into the elvish night, we found it difficult to keep our aging guest of honor awake.
13: Nay, Pippin, not till Bilbo has cut it. Blast! What a time to fall asleep. Who's asleep just resting my eyes and remembering There and back again, and what happened after? Remembering, sir? So many things. Old Smog, dear Thorin, that terrible Gollum chap. The Ring of Invisibility. What's become of my ring? That ring I gave you and you took away? Oh, yes. I've lost it, Bilbo, dear. I got rid of it, you know. Pity. I should have liked to see it again. But now, how silly of me. That's what you went for, wasn't it? To get rid of it. But why destroy a thing of such wondrous magic? It was an evil thing, sir. Nay, without its powers, I could never have faced the worm, smog. You unwittingly used its evil forces for good, dear uncle. Your innocence protected you. But had you continued to wear it, instead of keeping it above your mantle as a trophy, its ever-growing malignancy would have consumed you, as it almost consumed Samwise and me and the whole of Middle Earth. But this is all so confusing. So... confusing. Will he never cut the cake? Patience, Mary! Patience! (laughs) Me for a good smoke while we wait. What say, Master? Good notion, Sam. Bless my soul! Frodo! You are missing a finger! You not only lost my ring, you lost the finger on which it rode? Frodo, you must explain.
1: She is a creature of legend. In an age of sorcery and savagery... Well, what have we here? <laughs> ...demons... Go! No! be the last unicorn
13: all i want to know is if you've seen other unicorns like me somewhere in the world
1: you can find
0: the others if you are brave they passed down all the roads long ago and the red bull ran close behind them and covered their footprints
13: oh i could
5: never leave this forest
13: but i must know if i am the only unicorn left in the world
1: the classic tale Now a classic animated adventure. Featuring the voices of Mia Farrow.
13: The the spell was wrong, but there was true magic in it.
1: Alan Arkin. My dear, you deserve the services of a great wizard, but I'm afraid you'll have to be glad of the aid of a second-rate pickpocket. Jeff Bridges.
14: That is exactly what heroes are for. It's you or me, Moth. Hand to hand to hand to hand.
1: Robert Klein. Christopher Lee. I am haggard and the music of america it's the last unicorn a journey into the unknown
13: what's that go on
1: a mystery full of wonders and a fantasy beyond imagining not that one i want to know who she is Spender Delight! Hang
15: on! Do something! Magic, do as you will! Magic, do as you
7: will! Her, how she spark.
1: The last unicorn, the, last the legend, unicorn. will live forever.
11: Maybe there is magic. Maybe there's wishes, too. I guess the trouble is... I guess the trouble is there's
0: not
3: enough people around to believe. That's all the Twilight Zone we get tonight. <laughs> Don't hey, worry, it's, it's an Twilight, appropriate clip. Yeah, Twilight Zone will return uh, to our program, but they're they were on summer break right now, so if we do uh, more Twilight Zones, we're going to have to go back uh, to the beginning of season one. Season one, episode two, will be the next one we do uh, before we get back into when they resumed their broadcasts in uh, September, I believe. So, uh, welcome back to the show. Hey, special guest, Sue's uh, my wife uh, in Studio LR.
12: Yes, studio living room.
3: Yep, and I reside Everyone in studio SB, spare bedroom. And uh, Joe Santorsa, welcome back. Uh, has the smoke cleared? <laughs> the smoke is clearing.
6: Yeah, clearing.
3: Still got a little bit of the mm. uh, bad air quality out there.
6: A little bit. Yeah. We have some orange sunsets. That's okay. Yeah,
3: yeah, That's we've okay. definitely pretty, had that too.
10: Pretty and uh,
3: and of course, Miles. Welcome back to you. I, I assume that I I, it, I looked at the the air quality map, and it looks like you guys obviously being on a peninsula don't get a lot of the smoke from the wildfires and everything.
5: No, no, that's pretty rare. Yeah. So <laughs>
3: and Michelle, thank you for all the uh, Jared Padalecki uh, information, but you left out his most shocking role. Uh, no he was in a film where he portrayed uh, an alcoholic uh, drug addict uh that was abusive towards women groped women in public uh would go on drunken rampages in Las Vegas heckling st- talent on stage including Siegfried and Roy um you know just saying lewd and crude things and doing whatever he wanted. Uh, all the while posing as a good Christian painter, Thomas Kincaid. No, I'm sorry, that's the actual life of Thomas Kincaid, not the <laughs> the whitewashed version of Thomas Kincaid in 2000, 2008, the Christmas cottage.
13: <laughs> My beautiful boys. I just want this Christmas to be really special. Bank says they're foreclosing, Mom. Come. Trade you.
4: Pancakes, anyone?
0: We can't leave Mom like this. I'm gonna stay here and get a job.
9: Yeah, I can paint this. Really? All right. Well, let's say 500
7: bucks if it's done by Christmas Eve.
0: A mural of where you live. It's your chance to inspire your neighbors.
3: Yeah, that's Peter O'Toole in this piece no, of garbage. it's about life. <laughs> Beauty.
10: Love.
2: We're gonna lose everything.
11: We gotta stick together.
1: We're all we've got.
2: It's
0: beautiful, Tom. Don't ever doubt that.
1: That mural can change the way they see
14: themselves.
0: We are one family.
3: And the big twist ending in this movie is he died at the young age of 54 from a drug and alcohol overdose. His family tried to pass it off as natural causes, but the coroner reported that it was drugs and alcohol. Oh no, I'm oh, sorry. Of that's the they did. that's the real Thomas Kincaid, not this movie. Um, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm Christmas sorry.
12: Cottage
3: Thomas Kincaid, I, his I cottage. despise his artwork. I despise all that he stood for. I despise his him being a charlatan and being a debaucherous creep his entire life. Um and you know, it, it's like all I think of when I see Thomas Kincaid art is, oh, an ugly Christmas card. Mm. You know, <laughs> so uh, sorry you you guessed it, Michelle. But I tried to I tried to throw you off the scent. Did, did it work? For I, n- a second? I know,
4: no, it didn't. Because <laughs> I had to think of the worst movie that he was in. I'm like, yeah, that's that's got to be it.
3: Oh. <laughs> Peter O'Toole agreed to be in that.
4: That's a shame. <laughs> oh, oh. Ken oh. was forced to watch it. I enjoyed it.
3: Oh gosh. Forced I, I'm not is not much is... For,
4: for, for Christmas movies to begin with, and not about yeah. somebody like that. So it's yeah. just. Uh, <laughs> and my idea of a holiday card is a cardinal in a snow-covered tree.
3: Sure, you know? I love nice. those. There you go. Sure. I love those. <laughs> you know. Well, um, my
12: parents were very happy with their Kincaid prints that they have. They had.
4: Oh, I bet they probably were when, something.
12: And when well.
10: I think I'm going oh, to be were. sick.
12: Got oh, rid of
4: them. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they're gone. <laughs> I mean, you know.
3: Uh, they're not yeah. worth anything.
4: To... I'm pretty sure know. my mother loved him, too. And I'm yeah. Like, Ugh. Joe? What would
3: you Joe's
6: say, Joe? has got an opinion. Uh, oh, my, yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my idea of hell is having my eyes pinned open and watching Hallmark Channel.
5: Yeah.
3: yeah, that's a good one. Yes, that's a good one.
12: <laughs> Hallmark channel around the holidays is worse. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, it's rough.
3: Yeah. Man. It's rough. We we did watch one just just to see how stupid it was cuz it had um What's the act well, me, the- wait, wait, wait. Huh? wait. Let me guess the plot. Uh,
12: <laughs> somebody
6: somebody from a from a big city comes to a small town. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. gets stuck, gets he comes to a small town, falls in love with the town, but it, does, it now is torn between the big city and the town. Yep. Finds her old lover and uh, uh, stays. Yeah, because
12: the because town, stays. because the job in the city was they were supposed to destroy the town, but they <laughs> right. they decide to forget the job and and they quit the job. So they can stay in the town.
3: That's exactly what this one. But hey, it had (laughs) it had Howard Hessman in it, so I wanted to see uh, how it went.
12: (laughs) And there's there's a, and there's a part in it where they save everybody with their great idea.
3: And I did I I didn't, which is probably a
6: Santa Claus parade. Yeah, maybe Uh, (laughs) with, (laughs) or how
12: to revitalize the small town's economy.
3: Yeah, well, oh, or an
6: ice sculpture, or ice yeah, sculpture
12: contest. Yeah.
3: Well, in Thomas yep. Kincaid, you know, he painted that nice mural of all the townspeople just to show how much he loved them.
12: Oh yeah, he so, did. Oh well, god, how much he
3: like to grope them?
12: <laughs> and let's yeah. face it, this is the point in the movie where my teeth start to rot, and they all fall out of my head.
3: Yeah, yep. but the real Thomas Kincaid screamed "codpiece, codpiece, codpiece" over and over in a drunken tantrum at a Siegfried and Roy show in Las Vegas,
12: which is what pretty scary idiot. because <laughs> he could cause the tigers to to go whack. <sighs> I don't know, but anyway, um, Jared Padalecki, he's had an interesting career. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
12: I'm a big fan of Supernatural. I really i just could not stop watching um I don't know it's it was a it was a good show and it was i think it was fascinatingly written well written at points uh moving storyline um also lots of they took the uh occult information seriously and wrote well on it that's that's always nice you know where you you learn something <laughs> about
4: lore and things like that so. Yeah, one of my favorite episodes was the gods at the, at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. And um, having that whole situation there where they're, where they're being picked off. And, and, and it's just, it was just so much fun. Yeah. Um, it was a great, yeah, great. Uh, the character interactions were amazing. The characters themselves, you know, all the mm-hmm. fun. Like the Castiel and, you know, the angels who were dicks. <laughs> you know, like Zachariah and and yeah. and all those people, that, and even God was a dick, which was yeah. which was fun. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed the whole series. It was it was fun. It was well written. Uh, I cried. Oh yeah, I cried at the end. You know, oh, you I cried. During, I cried during the series too. There were certain episodes that were tearjerkers. Yeah. And um, so, and that's always a a good good sign of of, of a good
3: series. And well, you know, it's yeah. so
4: sad it came to an end, but it had a 15 season run. So yeah.
10: you, uh, know.
3: you can't not a lot of shows can boast that in in keeping you know the you know the core you know uh, ensemble together for as long and getting some of the you know actors back like you know um, uh, what's his name Harry Dean Morgan who played the dad. Um, yeah, came back. Yes. Uh, who, also played the comedian and the watchman and he uh, it, it, harry D. morgan is the uh st- uh um uh, he is he's typecast as a dead dad he's everything a dead. he was a dead dad in supernatural he was a dead dad in the watchman he was a dead dad in weeds uh <laughs> you know he's like we Wait. were like
12: is he going to be a dead dad on the walking dead <clears throat> No, everybody's dead
3: <clears throat> well yeah so uh but he's a daddy to the dead now but uh, you know, it was nice too that the show gave a lot of really cool character actors, uh, uh, like Curtis Armstrong, famous for being um, uh, in *Revenge of the Nerds* as uh, uh, Booger, uh, played yeah. Me- <laughs> Metatron. Played Metatron.
4: Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Mark Shepard playing um, uh, a Crowley, amazing actor, yeah. and no, great I love role for him. Crowley. And
3: he was in he was in *Battlestar Galactica* too.
4: Yeah. Yep. He,
12: he sure played was. the
3: the what blind lawyer. Was he a blind lawyer? I think so. No, no, he he wasn't blind. He was sighted, but he wore sunglasses. I think he wore so,
6: sunglasses. Yes, he did at at the begin. Yes, at the
3: beginning, and he. Had I guess a dog. I'm I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did he? <laughs> he had a dog. He had a
4: dog.
12: Dang it.
3: He did so, have a dog. The yeah. dog was a Cylon, though. Um. So. <laughs> But, and, uh, and
4: and Jim Beaver is, you know Bobby Singer so yep. yeah he's been in
3: tons of stuff yes um, <laughs> you know and every every time we see him in something we're like Bobby so
10: <laughs> Bobby. yes yeah exactly Bobby.
3: um because I forget what we just saw him in we're like hey it's Bobby uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, you know seriously though Curtis Armstrong what other actor can say he's pl- he's famous for playing Booger and Metatron.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. yeah, was Just recently in something else too, and I forget what it was, but well, I, I it, love it and was... that's why I see him.
3: Yeah, he was uh mm-hmm. he had a uh he was in LA Law too, right? Oh um, no, I don't know. no, I that. It, Moonlighting. It was Moonlighting he was in. Yeah, that know. was it Was La What's that? It wasn't La La. No, La-La. he was in, he was in Moonlighting the he played uh, 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 La La. Oh, I get it now. I'm sorry. La La
12: La La. La
3: La, starring Bob La Blah. It, it
6: was that. Yeah, it was the French version.
12: The French yeah. version, La La.
13: La La.
3: But he, no, he he, he, he played was...
4: the cockroach in Doom Patrol. Remember? Yeah, yeah
3: that's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> but no, he was he was in so many great things. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, that '70s show. Uh, uh, Ghost Whisperer, Wizards of Waverly Place. I mean, just <laughs> you know, <laughs> House, everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's been in tons of great stuff, and uh, yeah, he oh, he was in Happy is Day, Day Glow Doug. He was so. uh, wasn't
12: okay. he in um, Better Off Dead or?
3: Yeah. yeah, you know what the street value of the snow is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was adorable. Uh, it was actual I snow. I loved that line. It was yeah, snow. That was, yeah, that was better off dead. Um He played Charles Damar. Um, but yeah, you know, Clan of the Cave Bear, he was goof. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, we are getting towards the top of the show. Uh, I suppose we should uh, get some quick parting shots in. Uh, no time for any other bonus content. The the Thomas Kincaid co- Christmas Cottage trailer was <laughs> was all we had. That's the most horrific story of the night. Um, yes. So, but I do apologize well, honestly, if the I, Al I Adam. Love I love Supernatural. I, yeah. yeah, well, I do apologize to anybody who was offended by the Al Adamson uh, documentary uh, spoilers uh, about the true crime uh, end. He he met. But, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while, you know, we're going to talk about stuff like that if it comes up and it's, you know, timely for what we're doing. Uh, So, anyway, um, uh, Suze, thanks for being on. Go ahead, uh, give us your final Supernatural thoughts.
12: Oh, well, thank you. Like I said, um, I uh, enjoy Supernatural, and I enjoy uh, Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki as uh, actors, and Enjoy following their careers and watching stuff they're in, because I I feel like after 15 years of watching that damn show, it's they're my friends, darn it. So what right. else am I gonna do on Instagram besides follow their kids growing up?
5: All right, uh, so, Miles, yep. what do you got for us? Um, uh, everybody be safe out there. Uh, just be careful. the The Delta variant is a real threat. Just. I know everyone listening has had their shots because, uh, you know, we're not one of them, so... Yeah. You know, just just be safe out there. Keep wearing your mask, keep doing what we've been doing for the last year, um, and soldier on. All right. Joe, what you got? Uh, well,
6: this week on uh, the Tim Cormall show, we'll be looking at some of the giveaways that the right-wing uh, traveling uh, shows are giving away this year.
3: Oh, good. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Huh.
6: I'm going to be like sick. The I would like to pop the show there, there you go. All Get
3: right. an idea of what we're going to be doing. Very good. Very good. Well, we only have a minute left, and I want to give uh, Michelle a little bit of time. Uh, so, Michelle, what do you got?
4: Um. Uh. Jared Padalecki is, and Justin Ackles, they, they are pretty amazing. Misha Collins is as well. They have some great charities. I've supported them. Um, and they just got along so well, and their practical jokes were, were so amazing. Alexander Calvert is the young man that played um, Jack, which was uh, one of the roles that was later on in, in, in the series. And Jack actually came on at a, time, at a certain point, Misha was off doing some other things, and so Jack became the center of the practical jokes. And, and, and Alexander said, I wasn't upset about the practical jokes, I actually felt honored. And Michi was like, "I'm so glad the new kid is getting it."
12: <laughs> so, you know you what? Go. I I forgot. I was gonna talk about how they do a lot of things to talk about mental illness, and um, you know, and and really, and they so- have a lot of charities they give to, and they make awareness about, and it's and they even started a helpline and. Uh, yeah, I forgot I to a, talk about
4: that. Yeah, I bought a couple of their uh, T-shirts that dealt with the the one that uh, Jared was promoting for the um, the soup the, uh, with the the the, the, the rainbow colored uh, pentagram on the front and it, Yeah, it, yeah. I think that was for one of the depression charities because yeah, yeah. Jared actually had a really bad bout of depression at one point,
7: point. and mm-hmm. it,
4: it it locked him in his he locked himself in his mobile home on set because he was so depressed. And they actually mm-hmm. had a doctor come out to set to talk to him and mm-hmm. you know diagnosed him with clinical depression. So, yeah, it's it's you know they're great people. They have some great causes, and just watching their Twitter t- sometimes is fun. They they're not yeah, very active, yeah. but when they are, it's going to be something good. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, everybody, I I second uh, what Miles said. Um, and uh yeah. Everybody be safe. Nobody wants to be, you know, uh part of a zombie ghost orgy or anything like that. So uh keep yourself alive.
14: Zombie ghost orgy, huh? Well that's it. I'm torching everybody.